Talking heads while while life. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff Wittellis coming to you only 24 hours and 45 minutes late. Only. But the fact that I'm here at all, at least this week, is good because I wasn't sure if radio was going to happen this week after already missing last week with an illness. And I had the worst kind of illness for someone who hosts a radio show, and that is a sore throat that would not go away. And I tried to do this show in the past with a sore throat, and all it did is make the whole thing take longer to heal, and I felt awful after the show, so I said never again. So that's why I was gone last week. That's why I am a day late this week. But welcome, and here we are. We're going to do a real full show, and hopefully everything will be good. We are going to have a co-host tonight. Uh, Daredevil, who's been a co-host many times in recent months, is going to come back to co-host with me. And I'm very happy about that because I am not sure, just after getting over this sore throat yesterday, that I'm going to be in the condition to do a four-hour, three-hour show talking myself straight for all those hours. So at least I have Daredevil to also talk and give my voice a rest at some points. Since we're starting so late, I should let you know about the free roll we have tonight, which is in just 20 minutes. Usually it's a while into the show, but this time uh, it's only about 20-something minutes into the show because we started so late. So this is a free roll you'll find on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen. It says No Fraud Online Poker. You need a separate account there. But you still have time to create. You have about 20 minutes plus the late registration. It is No Limit Hold'em. It is completely free. You don't even need play chips. You just make an account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room and you can go in and play. The tournament starts at 7.40. Tonight it's a $72 free roll. The prizes are as follows. First place, $35. Second place, $18. Third place, $12. Fourth place, $7. How will you get this money? Well, pretty much whatever way you want it. I can send it to you by PayPal, by bank transfer. I can send you cash in an envelope. I can send you a check, and I can even send you Bitcoin if that's the way you want it. Just PM me, Dan Druff, Dan Space Druff, on the forum after winning the free roll if you finish in places one through four. I did not put up the $72 this week. I Pretty much never put up the money for the free roll. It's always from our generous listeners and users. This week it came from Seriously Serious, $30. Danny Didwood, $20. He donated last week, too. Snow Tracks, $5. JSTAT, $7. And Dirty Ernie, $10. So thank you to the five of you for donating to this free roll and making this possible week after week. And Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money in its free rolls than any poker radio show or podcast in the world. We've been doing this for two and a half plus years, every week pretty much. Usually between 50 and $150 gets given away. And it's real cash. It's not like these crap pre-rolls on small poker sites where it's very hard to get the money off. This is real cash I send you. Of course, there is a little catch. If you want to qualify for the free money, you need to have a registered account on Poker Fraud Alert dated June 1st, 2013 or before. If you do not have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum, I'm talking about the forum here, not the 
the poker room, but the forum part. You have to have a registered account there before June 1st, or on June 1st, 2013. If you don't, email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you've been listening to the show for at least three weeks by telling me some things that you remember in the last three weeks that are not in the show description. If I know you personally, you're exempt, you qualify. Or if you've donated a minimum of $10 to the free roll in the past, you're exempt and you qualify. Or if you'd like to donate $10 right now, you can do it and qualify. And then, of course, you'll qualify for life. Or if you co-hosted the show at any point, then you qualify, even if you don't have the registered account dated June 1st, 2013. So email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, if you don't have a registered account here dated June 1st, 2013, or before. If you want to call me tonight, you can. Our call-in number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also text that number, 775-372-8355. I will read your texts on the air unless you ask me not to. You can also call our Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is an old 70s telephone, an old 70s rotary phone that sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas. It's going to get snow pretty soon, I think. None up there yet. 702-430-1808 is that phone number. 702-430-1808 is the phone number for the Mount Charleston line. No matter which number you call, make sure to show your caller ID or you will not get through. You can also come into our chat room, interact with me there. I try to read it during the show, but to be honest, it's hard to keep up with everything scrolling by when I'm doing a radio show. So when I see something there, I comment, but don't be mad at me if I miss it. If you want to really get a message to me, you should text me. But uh, it's a good way to interact with the other listeners who are listening live. And you can find that by clicking on the chat button near the top of the screen. To get in the chat room, you need a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum, and you need a flash-enabled device, meaning it won't work on iPads or iPhones. So look what text we've gotten here. Uh, nothing except asking me if there's a show tonight. So you can text me, by the way, before or after the show. Or during the show. Anytime you can text that number, 775-372-8355. If I don't answer your phone calls, by the way, don't get offended. And don't call back over and over. Just give it another 15 minutes and try back. It just means that I wasn't available to take the call right when you decided to call in. So uh, let's see if we can reach our co-host Daredevil tonight. It's always an adventure reaching the co-hosts, or reaching anyone on this show. That's the problem with a live show. There's so many other shows that record everything in advance, and then they sound so polished and smooth. And we've got this one here, which has its share of fail every week, because uh, we're doing it live, and I'm the one controlling everything. So more possibility for failure. Dear Devil, are you here? Todd, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, and it sounds pretty good. So Good, good. I just want to say I'm doing this show... 
In duress. Under duress? You broke, yes, you, you broke a written agreement that we had. What? How about I... me picking the theme song for tonight's show. Oh. Now. Well, hold on, hold on. You said uh, that was for the November 11th show, not this, not this one. Well, I said the next time I'm co-hosting. Oh. So. Well, sorry. I mean, you know, I, I've, I, I've really been kind of scrambled here. I didn't expect to miss last week's show. I didn't expect this one to be delayed another day. The whole, the whole thing kind of came up on me by a surprise. And it, basically, here's what happened, people. Here's what happened. I'm not going to make this too long, but I was in Las Vegas with Benjamin and his mom for a number of days. And whenever you're in Las Vegas in the casino environment, not just in the city of Vegas, but when you're staying at a casino as we were, you always have a much higher chance of catching something for obvious reasons. So while we were there, Benjamin's mom was telling me she was really starting to feel lousy. Uh, She couldn't put her finger on what it was, but her throat was hurting. She was feeling really fatigued. She just, she didn't feel well. And on the drive back from Vegas, she was really feeling lousy. She went to the doctor the next day, and it turned out that there was a reason she was feeling so lousy. She had strep throat. I've never had strep throat in my life. Have you? I get it every year. Wow, every year. Maybe it's a Canadian yeah. thing. I don't. I've I've never had it. I'm 42 years old. I've never had strep throat in my life. Well, and I've been told that you never fully get rid of the virus, so mm. I guess that kind of makes sense why. Yeah. So she was telling me it was it was awful. It's like it was to the point where she couldn't even swallow, and uh, her, yeah. her glands were swelled up. The whole thing was sounded very, very, very unpleasant to have. It is. So the worst part is they give you these huge fucking horse pills to take. Yeah, when yeah. Your, I, when I, your throat I, feels like it's shut. So <laughs> I saw that. Genius. So on that same night when we drove back, and I felt fine driving, just as we get into the door, I start to feel my throat hurting. Now, we didn't know she had strep throat yet, but I knew she was feeling sick. I knew her throat hurt. So I thought maybe I was imagining it, or maybe my mouth was just dry from driving a long time, and maybe not drinking enough water. But it started getting worse and worse, and in the middle of the night, my throat was really starting to hurt. And she went to the doctor in the morning and called me and said, I have strep throat. And right when she called me and said she had strep throat, I noticed my throat was really hurting a lot. Not like so bad I couldn't swallow, but I'm like, oh, crap, it's got to be the same thing. She has strep throat, and just a little bit later now, my throat is really hurting. So I think it, you know, it's got to be. Yeah. We spent all this time together so close. Uh, it's it's got to be that. What else could it be? So um, I was really feeling like crap that day. This is Tuesday of last week. I was feeling so lousy. I didn't even want to go to the doctor. I was fatigued. My muscles all hurt. I had back aches. I had uh, my my hips were hurting really badly. I was really tired. I didn't want to go to the doctor. So I was trying to put off the whole doctor thing, and I think, well, let me see just in case. Because I don't go to the doctor when I get a cold. There's no point. But if you have strep throat, it's it's a different story. You need antibiotics. Yes. You got to get a prescription. So. I'm pretty sure I have it, but because of the whole Obamacare, Obamacare fiasco, it's so hard to find a doctor in my area that I can go to quickly. It's, it's a whole big mess, so I, I just didn't have the energy to deal with it. 
And I knew I'd be missing radio. I knew with the way my throat was feeling, no matter what it was, I would not be healthy enough to do radio for the next few days. So, lo and behold, as the next few days passed, I started noticing a pattern that my throat would be really bad when I'd wake up in the morning. It would start to improve a little bit during the day. In the afternoon, it wouldn't be better, but it would have improved a good deal. And then starting about 6 in the evening, would get worse and worse and then feel awful again at night. And I said, wait a minute, I remember this. 15 years ago, in 1999, I had just come off of a long relationship of three years or so. And uh, I met a girl online who also had just come off of a long relationship of about five years. And we had broken up our respective relationships just about like on the same day, like within two or three days of each other. And this is before we knew each other. It wasn't because of each other we broke up. It was, uh, you know, we had coincidentally ended very long relationships and then met each other like a few weeks later. So uh, we kind of bonded over that, me and this girl. And it was kind of bad that we did because truthfully, we didn't have much in common. We probably otherwise would not have gotten along that well. But because I was so different than the guy she broke up with and because she was so different than the girl I had broken up with, uh, we kind of bonded over that too. That, like, yeah, typical rebound. Yeah, like a rebound thing where both of us were wanting to be with someone who was different yeah, yeah. than the one we'd been with before, and we'd you know, and we also both were willing to listen to each other's stories about our prior relationships and not get tired of it because we both had a similar thing going on. So anyway, uh, we're, we're dating and and we're not quite sure where it's going to go, but the whole thing almost collapsed because I got sick. And I had this weird sore throat that did exactly what I just described, where it would be bad in the morning, improve during the day, and get bad again at night. And I had to work through this, too. I wasn't a poker player back then. In fact, I hadn't played any poker back in 99. So uh, I, I had a regular job, and I was going to work every day with this awful sore throat and feeling fatigued and feeling like crap. And then I'd start to feel better during the day, and I'd start to like get this feeling like, oh, good, it's over. And then, bang, at night it would hit me every time and get sick again. And over and over and over for like 10 days is dragged. And I'd never had a sore throat in my life that lasted for 10 days. Usually you get a sore throat that lasts like one or two days and it's gone. This one, it was a cold, but it was a weird cold that doesn't really con- like carry normal sneezing and coughing with it. It carries this bad sore throat and the fatigue and the body aches, and, and it lasts for like 10 days. So here we are now in 2014, and this feels just like that one thing I had 15 years ago. And I said, this has got to be the same thing. And I said to Benjamin's mom, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm not going to hassle with finding an Obamacare doctor to take me because I know what this is. I don't have strep throat. I have this weird-ass cold that I had 15 years ago. And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. So the whole week passed, exact situation like last time. And uh, every day it did that same pattern until finally yesterday. And that's why I announced the radio would be today, yesterday. Because yesterday I woke up and the sore throat was very moderate and almost gone. And I said, okay, I know now it's, it's going to be gone by tomorrow. And sure enough, I woke up today and it was gone. So here we are. And back on the radio. Yeah, Todd, the uh, the chat really enjoyed that story. I, I, I don't even read the chat during these stories because I know they're going to complain. <laughs> I actually know they're going to complain, so I just I just don't even read it because it, it's going to depress me. It's like <laughs> – it's going to frustrate me. It's going to make me just 
lash out at the chat room. So I just don't read it. It's just I close my eyes to it. So, in fact, I'm not going to even open the chat room. It's, it's open in the background, but I can't see it. I'm not going to move that window to where I can see it until it scrolls off all the, the hate that's going on there about my stories about getting sick. Okay, so let me give you the real agenda tonight. Uh, this is a Poker Stars heavy show, but before I give you that part of the agenda, Brandon Drexel Gerson used to sit in your chair there, Daredevil. Uh, he used mm-hmm. to be a co-host of this show, as was a woman who went by the name Vowels, and both of them are now gone from this show uh, for different reasons, not for anything bad, but they just uh, could not continue the weekly obligation of this show, which is understandable. But uh, Brandon still posts here, and uh, it seems like whenever Brandon pops up, he's not a big forum guy, but when he does pop up and post something, it's usually something interesting or important. So Brandon popped up with a shocking picture, in fact, a picture that was so shocking that I had to immediately text him and ask, is this real or is this a level on the on the forum? Uh, basically what he did is he showed up just out of nowhere and posted a ticket, a, an electronic ticket of sports betting on the Monday night football game, betting on Indianapolis minus three, where he wagered uh, only $30,000. <laughs> This Brandon Drexel Gerson, former co-host of the show, bet thirty thousand dollars on Monday Night Football just because he felt like it, just because he had a good weekend betting before that, and said, "All right, I won a bunch of money this weekend. Let me try to really make it a good weekend." And he laid thirty grand down on Indianapolis, and I'm like, "Oh my God, that's a." I couldn't place a bet like that. If, if I placed a bet like that, I, I just, I'd go crazy watching the game. I've never placed a bet bigger than uh, $9,000 on any given game, and even that is huge for me. That's also very unusual, and that was also back in the days when I played higher limit poker to where the $9,000 came and went a lot more quickly than it does today. But right. I, I couldn't imagine $30,000 uh, betting on this game. So... I, I was like, I hope this wins for Brandon. Well, Brandon offered something very generous. In addition to posting about this, he wasn't just trying to brag, look what I bet here. He said, if it wins, I'm going to put a $1,000 free roll for Poker Fraud Alert with the winnings. Now, he bet it at minus 120, so if he won, he was going to get 25000 And if he lost, he was going to lose thirty. And he got the line of minus 3, meaning the... Indianapolis, if they won by three, it would tie. If they won by two or less, or if they lost, he would lose the bet. And if they won by more than three, he'd win. Uh, anyway, he said he'd take 1000 of that twenty-five k he won and put a free roll on with the only restriction is that he would choose who could qualify for the free roll. So it's not like this one where you just, as long as you have an account here by June 1st, 2013, you qualify. Uh, he made his own rules saying basically he had to know you either know you personally or have observed you posting here and enjoyed you as a poster on either this forum or forums in the past that he has used, So, which is his right to do. I've always said if you donate money, you have the right to say how it gets used or put rules or restrictions upon it. I'm never going to tell you how you can spend your own money, even if it's through my own site. So 
that's completely fine that he made these restrictions, but uh, a very generous offer. And this wasn't one yeah. of these things where he posted about it after he won, which would still be generous, but at least you'd say, well, you don't know if he lost a bunch of these beforehand and then posted about one he won. This one he posted before the game, and he's never done this before. He's never posted – well, I think one other time he did, but never this big. Uh, so he, the biggest bet by far he or anyone has ever posted here before the game started, and uh, while it was a little cl- close for a while, it was looking good the whole way, but it was a little close for a while, but then it blew out at the end and easily won so much that uh, he actually didn't even watch the very end of the game because it was like 40-16, to 16 and he knew he had it in the fourth quarter. Nice. So he went down to uh, the casino, picked up his 55000 in cash, you know, the 30 plus the uh, the 25 he won. I took a picture of himself with the 55 in cash sitting on him. And uh, now he's going to put it on. And predictably, predictably on this side, of course, I knew there were going to be people who were going to bitch about it if he did not include them. I knew there's going to be angry people <laughs> for not being included in this because, yeah. you know, everyone says, oh, wow, a $1,000 free roll. Uh, I want to be part of this, and then they get mad if he doesn't recognize them. So, you know, this is up to him. And there, there was one particular person who was unhappy that they weren't included, and I said, look, uh, yes, this person has been around a while and just changed their name. I'm not going to say who they were before, but it was never – it wasn't a scammer. It wasn't someone with a bad rep. So um, it's just someone who chose to change their name when they came over to Poker Fraud Alert, but they've been around. So I said, look – this person has been around, but if Brandon doesn't want to include you, he has a right not to. Brand, it's Brandon's $1,000. He can do what he wants with it. So tentatively, this is scheduled for November 16th. And uh, I don't know if that's a solid date yet, and we'll put more information about that. Uh, we'll have at least one radio show before that. I don't think it'll be the radio tournament. I think it'll be a separate tournament from the radio show. Yeah, that's how I understood it. Yeah, but uh, we'll put out more information on the next show, uh, You know, the way the prize pool is, who will distribute it. I don't even know yet if it's going to be me or Brandon who distributes the money. Uh, we'll put out more information next week. But uh, these are the benefits you get for being active on Poker Fraud Alert. I always say, please come contribute on the forum. Please post on the forum. Uh, I, I, I'm happy that people listen to the radio show. And I do, you're not required to post on the forum to listen here. I'm fine with you being a lurker, but there's really a lot of benefits to participating in the forum because it's not that big of a community, and there's a lot of generous people here. I mean, Simp Dog, uh, he's been very generous recently. He's been holding all these free rolls of like you know $50, $100, $150 based upon mm-hmm. sports games where you you guess the score of the game. and just to, Just to be a nice guy, just like Brandon's doing, just to be a nice guy, there's people who donate every week to the free roll here. And there's just a lot more money donated to this community from the community than any other community I've ever uh, been part of or posted. And I don't get any of this. In fact, I don't even participate in these contests because I don't want to take the money away from the users. I I actually don't want to win it. I want uh, these contests to be for everyone else but me, even though like things like guessing a score of a game, you couldn't accuse me of rigging. But uh, I... I really want to encourage you out there who are listening but don't ever post to start posting because you never know when someone like Brandon will show up and say, hey, if I recognize you as a good poster, I'm going to have this free roll for you. And uh, Yeah, 
And I got to say so much respect for Brandon. I mean, not only was he such a great co-host, this show, the other show, but, you know, he, he's never gotten anything out of it, and he's given so much of his time, and now he's giving something else again. Uh, if anything, the site seems like it took a bit out of him, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, he's still coming back, giving back to the forum, so big respect to him. It's so weird. I'm, I'm, by the way, I agree with what you just said, but I, I got a little distracted because there's a, a guy coming in and out of the chat. Yeah, I see that. Then Chris P., I got rid of him. This happens sometimes where we have a user who comes in and out, in and out, in and out. It's kind of like a way to spam the chat where people can't read it that well because it scrolls off whatever's in there. But mm-hmm. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose because I've seen people do it before who have never been a problem for the site ever and also people who are kind of unlikely to be doing this. So I, I wonder sometimes if people just have some kind of technical issue that does this. Like, I don't know if you guys remember Dupe Samaritan. Uh, we talked about him recently when uh, you know he got rolled by somebody and brought it up in Poker Fraud Alert. But last year, I actually banned his IP because it appeared that he was DOSing the site during the radio show. And he was, but I determined he wasn't doing it on purpose. He had some uh, iPod that was attempting to download the show and was doing it like 500 times at a, like at once. Oh, yeah, and, I was just it, stuck in a loop. Yeah, 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 so it wasn't even him doing it on purpose. He didn't even know he was doing it. And, you know, when he, he PM'd me recently. I said, hey, you know, a while ago when this was going on, do you have any clue? He says, no, I had no idea. And I believed him because he's never been a problem. He's always been respectful to the show. He's been he's called into the show before. I'm like, it just doesn't fit with him uh, to have been doing this on purpose. So anyway, uh, I banned this. Chris P guy. When I ban someone from the chat room, they're only temporarily banned. I think for like a day. So hopefully uh, this won't be a chronic problem. Okay, so here's the rest of the agenda. Poker stars, and I saw this a while ago. I saw this coming a while ago. Poker stars, since they've been bought by Amaya, and since they're not being run anymore by uh, the Scheinbergs even though they have the same management team in place, they still have to answer to the owners. The owners are the ones who make the final decision. And we are seeing so many changes at PokerStars since they've been taken over by Amaya. And they've been slowly rolled out, and now they're really starting to increase the speed in which they are introducing changes. So we're seeing a lot of things happening at PokerStars, and most of them are not good for the player at least for the pro player or grinder. So here are the things that happened and we're going to discuss tonight. The rake has been increased. There are now foreign exchange fees for depositing and withdrawing in other currencies. When I say other, I don't just mean U.S. dollars. Like, like There are some currencies like U.S. dollars and uh, the British pound and other ones like that, you can avoid this fee, but most other currencies, including like Australian dollars, uh, you're now going to incur fees, which you didn't before. Seizing of funds for anyone caught playing in the U.S., even briefly or accidentally. There's a story about that that just came out. And we had the previous things we've discussed that have happened the releasing of a lot of site pros, including World Series of Poker main event champion Joe Kata. And 
introducing luck-based games like the spin-and-go tournaments, where there's now games on PokerStars that are not primarily about skill, which before was never the case. Daniel Negranu, by the way, has some things to say about these changes, and Daniel Negranu wants you to know that this is all a coincidence, and it has nothing to do with the takeover by Amaya Gaming. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we'll read Negranu's statement on that. Uh, But, there are some things happening in PokerStars that we'd like to see changed and are not being changed, such as there are pros and grinders who are taking advantage in tournaments of what's known as the sit-out trick, and PokerStars has not clamped down on it yet. We'll talk about that. And uh, also, Lee Jones, who's been part of PokerStars for quite some time, and still is, he put out a new propaganda video, the third in a series. I played the other two on this show about the random number generator. So we'll play that on here. So what are the non-PokerStars topics of the week? Well, Nevada had a ridiculous tax on poker pros that was put up on the ballot, the November ballot, yesterday. Big election in the U.S. yesterday. And this was one of the things voted upon by Nevada residents. This failed, but I'll tell you what it could have meant for people who played a lot of tournaments would have been very brutal for them. Well, the Hall of Fame, the Poker Hall of Fame, I think it's a huge joke. We've talked about it on this show before. And they have solidified their status of it being a joke by electing two people to the Hall of Fame this year, the maximum they do each year, one being a worthy candidate in Daniel Negreanu, uh, the other being that uh, titan at the poker table, known as Jack McClelland. (laughs) uh, I love watching him play on TV. He's great. (laughs) He's a a monster there. He's he's won a whole lot. So he's definitely first ballot uh, candidate there. He got in. So let me uh, (laughs) – we'll talk about that here. Uh, Jim Ryan, former – co-CEO of Ultimate Bet and somebody who is suspected not proven but highly suspected in being either complicit or involved in the cheating just one of these many people who uh, was probably guilty of something there but not as directly guilty or obviously guilty as Russ Hamilton Uh, he moved on to party poker which is a shame and uh, then he left B-Win Party because of uh, New Jersey regulatory issues. But now he's back. He's back involved with party poker, and he's going to be back in the California market if it comes to exist. And uh, he may be a very big player if people like me ever end up playing in California on the legalized online poker rooms that may come as soon as 2016. So we'll talk about what happened there and what Jim Ryan's role will be. Speaking of uh, former executives of uh, illegal online poker sites, a former Bodog executive is attempting to take a Bodog-like platform, maybe even the Bodog software itself, 
to the California market. And we'll talk about what's going on there. And will we see a Bodog with a different name in California? Well, during the World Series, you get a lot of people coming in who seek marijuana. A lot of marijuana smokers. And you know, marijuana is not physically addictive like cigarettes, but it is psychologically addictive to where if you smoke pot all the time, it's tough to go without it. You just get used to doing it. And uh, it's very tough for some of these players to come to Las Vegas, especially if they come in by plane, and not have the marijuana. Uh, Most people are not foolish enough to try to fly with marijuana for obvious reasons. So if you're coming a long way to Las Vegas, you got to fly in. Well, then you don't have pot. Unless you know friends in the area who have pot, then you're kind of out of luck. Well, Las Vegas uh, has approved marijuana dispensaries for medical marijuana, which uh, no matter where you are in the marijuana legalization debate, I, I think it's pretty clear that medical marijuana is a joke in that a very, very large percentage of those patronizing medical marijuana places are just doing it to get high. They're not really going there for medical reasons. There's a few people doing it for medical reasons, but most are using it as a way to get marijuana legally to use recreationally. So it's it's one of these things that's stupid. It's, it should either be legalized or not legalized. This weird middle ground is uh, has been a failure because it's just... Uh, it's pretty much pseudo-legalized it, uh, but requires stupid jumping through hoops and getting these bogus doctors to give you bogus prescriptions, uh, you know, who make a lot of money doing so. It's just a, it's a stupid middleman that's there. And uh, as I said, whether you're for or against pot legalization, you, you really shouldn't be for this weird middle ground. If they really wanted it to be taken seriously, medical marijuana, they would restrict it to very serious illnesses where uh, you, you get a very specific diagnosis, but uh, it's, it just isn't that way in any of the states that legalized it. But anyway, uh, would you imagine that if you came into Las Vegas and wanted to buy marijuana, that the go-to guy for the marijuana would be Phil Ivy? I'm not kidding. He will be. Phil Ivey's going to sell marijuana, but he's going to sell it legally. So we'll is he going to have a booth next year at uh, <laughs> he might. Maybe he will. Maybe it'll be make uh, a lot of money. A booth there. You just go up to Ivy and say, "Hey, Ivy, hook me up." So yeah, he's really going to sell marijuana. I'm not kidding. Uh, we'll talk about that. Dan Fleischman, in a story about Ivy, not about marijuana. Dan Fleischman is a very controversial guy. He's been involved in some things that. Uh, that, to put it bluntly, have been kind of shady. Uh, I will say he's taken offense whenever I talk about Dan Fleischman. He he always shows up and says, hey, I heard what you said about me. I don't appreciate it. And then tries to explain to me his side of things. He's never convinced me that what I've said about him is wrong. But, uh, you know, he, he really does take it personally when I say these things or, or mention him. But he really has done some things that uh, I find very questionable. But uh, Dan Fleischman is, uh, he's an entrepreneur who I think cuts a lot of corners to get where he wants to get. 
and people end up getting hurt financially for it. And I, I think he doesn't take full responsibility. I wouldn't call him a scammer, but I've seen him act very irresponsibly in his uh, financial dealings. I'll say that. So uh, I think Phil Ivey must have been smoking some of that marijuana he's going to sell because uh, Ivy Poker, which was shut down recently, and we'll talk about that too, is going to reopen next year. And the person who's going to be at the head of Ivy Poker will be Dan Fleischman. Weird. Hmm. Well, uh, if you haven't gotten your full tilt remissions yet, if you're an American player, this is from the old full tilt when they shut down and stole everyone's money. I've gotten mine. Most of you have probably gotten yours. But there are 2,200 people who submitted claims that have not received their money yet because they screwed something up on the forms. Uh, This includes incorrect or missing social security numbers or addresses or whatever, like just something about the form they could not process. Well, these 2,200 people got notification that they better correct it immediately or they're not going to get their money, that they're going to get denied and that's going to be that. And guess who's going to keep the money? The government. So I'll talk a little bit about that and uh, tell you what to do. If you have not gotten your full tilt money yet, and you better step on it, otherwise the government's going to keep it. The government uh, was expecting to send out $150 million. They've sent out $110 million so far. So $40 million is going to stay in the government coffers if uh, it's not claimed. Paul Fua was arrested for running an illegal bookmaking operation out of Caesars during the World Cup. He was bailed out by Phil Ivey. And Tom Dwan and uh, one other guy, I'm forgetting who, another high-stakes player. But uh, an interesting story came out about how they got the information that was on the warrant, on the arrest and search warrant. And that information is that Caesars and the FBI set him up with a phony internet outage And the people who came in to fix the internet outage were not from Cox Cable and were not from the technical department at Caesars Palace, but were actually FBI agents pretending to be working for Cox Cable. Or I'm not sure who they pretended to work for, but they pretended to be technicians for the internet. They were really the FBI, and that is how they gathered the information they later used for a search warrant. So uh, that could jeopardize the whole case, and we'll talk about... That whole situation, pretty interesting, because they did that part without a warrant. So they did that to get the information for the warrant. So the question is, oh, I see. was that legal or not? To, it was Andrew Robel, by the way, the third guy who uh, helped bail oh, out. Oh, right, right, yeah. So finally, uh, an editorial. We had an election yesterday. Not a surprising result. It's pretty much exactly what was predicted, that uh, the Republicans took the Senate and kept the House, exactly as it was suspected they would. Also, they won a lot of the gubernatorial races. Uh, So basically, the Republicans now control most of the government. Of course, they do not have the White House, with President Obama still being there for two more years. But uh, there is a question, how will this affect current legalization efforts for online poker in the U.S.? Are the Republicans who have traditionally been 
more anti-online gaming than the Democrats, but it has not been a completely partisan issue. There have been people on both sides of the fence on both sides of the issue. But how will this affect online poker's chances? Well, you may think I'm biased because I'm a Republican, but I'm going to tell you why I feel this is going to help online poker, yesterday's election results, not hurt it. I don't think it's going to be groundbreaking. I don't think this is going to be a major change, but I think if anything, it's going to help and not hurt. That will be the editorial tonight. So those are our topics this week, and I should say for the last two weeks. We were not on last week, and uh, as we approach 8 o'clock here Pacific time, we will get going. By the way, the free roll, if you're not in there yet, you still have uh, five more minutes because you have uh, late registration for 25 minutes after the 740 start time. So get in there to win your share of the $72. 775-FRAUD55, 775-372-8355 if you want to reach me. And uh, taking a look at the chat room. And I was gonna, I was going to quote things from the chat room, but I see nothing quotable in there. You guys, you guys disappoint me. You disappoint me. You've said nothing. I usually like scan the chat room and then mention some witty comment. I see. I see nothing good here. Everything you guys are saying right now is crap. And except forum wars, forum wars just said a good thing. He said, "Just waking up right now to see the show just starting." <laughs> I, I mean, it's true. It's a, it's eight o'clock here, and we've done nothing. We've done nothing except say what we're going to talk about on this show. It's 8 o'clock. Unbelievable. All right, so let's let's get going with the real topics here. Um, already told you about the Brandon $1,000 free roll. Nothing more to say about that. Uh, more info will, will follow next week. Hockey guy saying, fuck you, Druff, in the chat. Yeah, fuck you, too. All right, so let's... Uh, Move to the Poker Stars topic, which is really the main topic this week. In fact, people gave me a hard time last week for getting sick when all this was starting to come down. How dare you? Yeah, they're like, damn it, you're supposed to talk about this, and now you're sick, you can't do a show. And it Selfish, actually, Todd. It Selfish. actually kind of hurt me. It, really, it kind of hurt me. I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this. Oh, I want to talk about this. And I could not. I knew I could not. And I'm like, I see the news about Poker Stars, and I so much want to rant about it, and I know I cannot. I know I have to wait another week until it becomes old news, until the guys from uh, the 2 Plus 2 poker cast, you know, beat it to death on there, and then I'm like, uh, I'm like the guy talking about last week's news. But hey, that's okay. I'm going to still do it. And uh, there are newer stories, too. So here's the picture. Amaya Gaming, to put it bluntly, they don't care about poker. They do not care about poker. They care about one thing, money. They want to make money. They don't care about the integrity of poker. They don't care about being known as uh, the providers of a pure poker site or what they're doing for the poker community. They are all about squeezing out every bit of profit they can and doing it immediately. And poker stars, the old poker stars, prior to Amaya's takeover... They were a lot about money, too. A lot of people saw them as angels that only cared about poker and only cared about doing the right thing and only and cared so much about its players. A lot of that was BS, carefully crafted BS. But I will say that they had a philosophy. They had a business philosophy and stuck to it, and that was PokerStars was going to be a pure poker brand. 
that uh, they were going to try to be the ultimate in online poker. Not ultimate bet, but the ultimate in online poker, the, the best in providing online poker, doing it best with customer service, with the games they provide. Uh, they would innovate, but they would not do anything to either harm their poker pros, you know, meaning they're, when I say their pros, I mean the pros playing on there, not the ones that uh, are representing the site. But also that, too. They had a lot of pros representing the site that they would sponsor. Uh, they were trying to be very, very poker community friendly. And the only thing that they tended not to do well would be recovering from some sort of mistake, especially something that happens like at a live tournament they're involved with. Whenever something like that happened, they screwed it up. They, they had a hard time recovering from failure. They would tep- typically screw people and try to cover up whatever occurred. But aside from that, they tried to be very pure, and they tried to be the poker player's poker site, and succeeded. Amaya is not that. Amaya is just trying to make money. Amaya will corrupt what Poker Stars was if it will make them more money or if they think it will make them more money. And that is what they're doing. Amaya will get rid of people who are currently being sponsored by them if they think it will save them money or if they think those people are not carrying their weight. Amaya will increase the rake. Amaya will increase their fees. Amaya will introduce new games that are not really about skill if it will make them more money. Amaya is going to be introducing sports betting to the Full Tilt product. And they're already introducing, you know, they already have casinos running on there. They are just trying to make money. And a lot of people are not happy about that because Poker Stars has been around since 2002. And it's been a big site since 2003. I found it in April of 2003. Uh, I really have Poker Stars to thank. Well, I shouldn't say thank, but Poker Stars was the turning point in my poker career to what changed me from a regular working guy who played poker at night and stayed up way too late and got much too little sleep for the next day at work uh, to someone who quit his job to just play poker. Uh, It was on Poker Stars where I really broke through. It was in the 3060 limit game in the spring of 2003. And uh, when I started really winning a lot at that game, I said, hey, Wow, look at this. I'm actually a consistent winner in poker now. I, I might be able to quit my job. And then I did. And I've never gone back. So Poker Stars has changed a lot. A whole lot since then. And they've changed a whole lot since Amaya bought them. So here are some things that have happened recently. And all of them have a purpose and all of them have a point. They're not random. They're not arbitrary. The rake has been increased. Foreign exchange fees have been added for certain foreign currencies. Anyone caught playing in the U.S. at any time for any reason not just loses what they won while they were playing from the U.S., but they get all of their funds seized, no matter how much you had in your account. If you had a million dollars in your account and you played one cent, two cent for five minutes from the U.S., they will seize your entire million dollars. I'm not even kidding. They released pros that were representing the site who they didn't feel were carrying their weight. They introduced luck-based tournaments like the sit-and-goes that are called spin-and-goes. I mean, the tournaments aren't luck-based. The prize pool is, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a 
yeah, that's correct. But uh, when I meant luck-based, I mean to, as far as making money in them, they're luck-based. Because you okay. really can't make money reliably as a grinder in those without Fair luck. Fair enough. Uh, so they've done all these things because they think it will make money. So let's talk about each one here. Let's talk okay. about, about uh, first of all, the rake. Because everyone, that's the biggest topic. Everyone's talking about mm-hmm. the rake. Uh, basically, PokerStars announced rake increases for only certain games. I have to defend PokerStars a bit because the rake increase is not as bad as many people are making it out to be. But the general reaction from the community uh, came through a spokesman they hired from New York, and this is what he had to say. The rent is too damn high party. So the, <laughs> the, the rake is too damn high is what he meant. This guy, uh, he's too used to saying the rent is too damn high. But yeah, uh, people think the rake is too damn high now with the increase that PokerStars has announced. And uh, so first of all, I want to break down what the rake increase really is and how it stands compared to other sites, other comparable sites, uh, because uh, there's a lot of misinformation and wrong assumptions about this. And I bash PokerStars plenty on this show, but I like to think I do it fairly in that I'm not just out here on a witch hunt against PokerStars. I will defend them when they deserve to be defended. And that's the same way I treat the World Series. That's the same way I treat uh, other things. Like A lot of times people think I come out here and, and bash these entities because I have a problem with them, but then a lot of times I'll come out and defend them. Like last year, the World Series, when security of the Rio was supposedly a problem, then I, I noticed there's a problem with the stories of the so- so-called victims. And I said, hey, I think the World Series is in the right here. So anyway, uh, here is a breakdown of the rake increases. Uh They've increased the rake only on certain games. Uh, PokerStars increased the rake on uh, $0.25.50 cent, uh, from $0.50 cents to a dollar maximum rake with, with heads up. Only heads up. The rest of the rake stays the same. At one two no limit, uh, they have increased the rake, again, heads up from 50 cents to a dollar. Uh, other than that, did not touch it. At 510, no limit, they have increased the rake heads up again from 50 cents to a dollar, but did not touch anything else. At uh, 2550, no limit, same thing, heads up, but 50 cents to a dollar. Uh, but at uh, for three to four players at the table, they increased it from a dollar fifty to two dollars, and uh, three dollars to five dollars, which is a pretty big increase if there's five or more players at the table. This is a twenty-five fifty no limit. So, really, the only increases have been at heads up, or at twenty-five fifty uh, at all levels. The rest of it stayed the same. Now, how does this compare to other sites? What about Party? What about 888? What about iPoker? Well, let's take a look at uh, 2550 cent. No limit. Right now, Stars is tied for the cheapest rake, heads up. They have the cheapest rake, three to four players, and they have the cheapest rake, with five or more players. So they're either the cheapest or tied for the cheapest at everything. 
one, two. Same story. They are cheapest or tied for the cheapest with everything. They're cheapest at everything but heads up. Heads up, they're tied for cheapest. Five, ten. Same story. They are either cheapest or tied for the cheapest. At every, uh, no matter how many players, there are two or more. And 2550 No Limit is the only place that they are no longer the cheapest or tied for the cheapest. And that is with five or more players, they charge $5, where 888 charges $4. But I should say that Party doesn't even have that game, and iPoker charges the same $5. So Stars is almost the cheapest in everything. And overall, right. they are the cheapest in everything for the rake. So yes. that's important to know that Star has increased it, but they have not increased it past the other sites except for 2550 No Limit with five or more players. And even there, they're only a dollar more. So uh, basically what Amaya noticed is we're the best poker site and we're the cheapest poker site as far as rake. Why are we doing this? This is idiotic. It's not like people are going to leave and go to another site because we still have more players. We still have more games. We have better software. We have better support. We have better everything. So why should we charge less? It would be like, uh, let's say you were going to a restaurant down the street and it's the best restaurant in town and it's the cheapest restaurant in town. At some point, the restaurant owner is going to say, wait a minute, why am I the cheapest and the best? That's stupid. I'm wasting money here. At the very least, I'm going to bring myself equal to everybody else, and they'll still come here because no one's going to go to an inferior place for the same money. But here, Poker Stars is actually still cheaper in, in most games. The same in some other situations, but they're not more expensive in everything except one one thing, and that's the 2550 no limit. So no one's going to leave for that reason. So yeah, it sucks for grinders who are used to that level of rake and now this is going to be an added expense and if you're 12 tabling this is going to be a lot of money that poker stars keeps that they didn't before but it makes sense if i were running the business i would do this too there is no reason that uh, they should keep the rake down if they're the biggest if they're the best and if they're the cheapest it doesn't make any sense yeah i agree and uh I think a lot of people are like you, Todd, that they have kind of an emotional attachment to Poker Stars. That's where they kind of made their bones. And like you said, until now, they've kind of positioned themselves, even if it's not true, but strategically as sort of the guardians of pure poker. And people feel like this is kind of a you know, betrayal against them and their personal feelings. But really, I mean, this is a publicly traded company. Its obligations are to its stockholders. It's raised the price, but it's still the lowest, so I don't see the scandal here. Yeah. So I understand people being unhappy, and if I were playing on Poker Stars, which I can't anymore, then I would be frustrated, but I wouldn't be angry at them. I would just uh, – and you know what? I actually believe the rake is too damn high in general, but I think that's an industry-wide problem, and uh, if people are willing to pay it, then I see why they're charging it. Uh the reason they're charging so much rake is because that's what people are used to paying live, or sometimes paying even more live, so they get away with it. But the truth is it's very cheap to run online poker tables, way cheaper than brick and mortar. So it should be way cheaper rake-wise, but it isn't, and that's just the way it is, and the market is supporting it. And that, that's just general economics, general free market economics. If the if people are willing to pay it, then you charge it, even if uh, if you your cost of providing it is, is a f- tiny fraction of what people are paying. So yeah. 
And if that, you know, if that's not amenable to the market, then a company can come and fill the void, which may happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe one day there will be a site to compete with PokerStars through a lower rig, but uh, it would have to be a lot lower because Stars has the best games. They're the most established. They have the most games and uh, people trust them. And it's hard to unseat a site like that just because you have a lower rig. But right now, no one even has a lower rig. So mm-hmm. uh, I have to defend them on that. But it was definitely Amaya's doing that this happened. This would not have happened if Scheinberg was still in charge. It wouldn't have. It just All these changes are Amaya's doing. And uh, I'll read something from Daniel Negreanu in a bit, which denies this, but he's full of crap. So I understand why they're doing it, but understand also that it's Amaya Gaming, the new owners, who are making this happen. They just want to make you think it isn't because they don't want you being mad at them. So that's the first thing, the rake increase, which uh, I've actually defended, believe it or not. So uh, what else has happened? Well, we have this foreign exchange situation, which um, let me let me see if I can uh, break this down for you. Uh, as you know, PokerStars has players from all around the world, and they always have. So people deposit to PokerStars using all kinds of different methods. And uh, PokerStars had been fairly generous with the exchange rate to where they would give people a direct conversion to whatever funds are being deposited, even though PokerStars was uh, sometimes losing on the currency conversion. So uh, whatever you deposited at, with your own currency, they would take the official, what's known as the $5 million conversion rate, which is uh, the rate you would get if you're exchanging $5 million or more. It's basically the rate you'd get by looking up on the internet any current exchange rate. That's what they would give you on PokerStars and not take any fee on top of that. Now, why would PokerStars do this? Because they actually, when they would convert it back to their own currency, they wouldn't get that rate. So why would mm-hmm. they eat money here? Well, they were eating money because they'd make it back from the rake. This was just just like the payment processing. When you would deposit to PokerStars, they would have to pay to a payment processor to get the money on there. And uh, you wouldn't pay those fees. They would pay it. But they're not being generous here. They're, they're just eating fees, eating costs of doing business, knowing that they're going to get it back from you in the form of the rake and still make a ton of money. So they make it uh, to the player who doesn't see that and to where it's more pleasant for the player to deposit an amount they think they're putting on, and that amount appears on the site. And psychologically, that's very important for the player. If you put $100 on there, you end up with $100, and you're not paying fees above that. That You know, you want to gamble with 100 It costs you 100 to gamble 100 And I know for me as a player, I hate when I put money on sites and I have to pay fees. It pisses me off. Like, how do you feel when you, when you run into fees on sites? Yeah, I, I never played on any fees or, or on any sites where they charged fees. That was always a deal breaker. And usually it was weird, I guess, depending on how much the middleman charged them. But a lot of sites had certain methods that had no fees and certain methods that did. And obviously I'd go out of my way, even if I didn't have an account, to make it on whatever e-wallet didn't have any fees. Because just out of principle, I thought, well, if I go down to the you know, poker room down the street. I don't have to pay a fee when I buy my chips. I'm not going to pay a fee online. Yeah, that's how I felt too. I hated it. I absolutely hated all kinds of fees, withdrawal fees, deposit fees. And, uh, you know, I've talked about uh, Bodog Rovada before. 
I, I wouldn't use credit cards with them because they always charge a 4.9% fee. I would actually go bring down my money to Western Union because Western mm-hmm. Union, they would cover the fees and, and the credit card, they wouldn't. I'm like, I'm not yeah. losing 5% right here. So uh, anyway, PokerStars has decided that they're not going to lose out anymore on these currency conversions. So they have added a 2.5% currency exchange fee if you are depositing with currency that is not supported by the client. Now, what do I mean by that, supported by the client? Well, there are certain currencies you can switch your account to on the PokerStars client, certain major currencies. Um, I, I believe it's uh, U.S. dollars, even though you can't play from the U.S., uh, Great Britain pounds, euros, and Canadian dollars. It, it, am I leaving one out here? Is that the, the four you can use? Mm, I think so. Yeah, that is weird now that you mention it, that they have U.S. dollars you can't play in the U.S. But Yeah, so uh, let me see here. I've done little to no research for the show. Yeah, because... well, okay, that's fine. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going upon what I, I last heard about that, but it's not that important okay. unless you happen to be in a country that you think may or may not be a supporter. But basically, if it's not a currency you can switch to in the client, then uh, they are going to charge you a 2.5% exchange fee. So it's probably where they have banks, actually. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, I just ran into this fee on another site recently, not directly from the site, but uh, I, I play on a site that when you get a wire from them, they send it to you in euros. And mm-hmm. my bank does not give me the $5 million rate. They give me a rate of like 3.5% less than that, which sucks. Yeah. So so I just lose 3.5% on the withdrawal, which is awful, but there's really no way around it. So uh that's what PokerStars is doing now on their end is instead of just eating the fee on uh, on their side and saying, hey, they make so much on rake, they don't care. Amaya said, you know what? We're not eating that anymore. Uh, if, if you're one of the uh, currencies that's supported in our client, fine. But if not, uh, we are going to charge you a 2.5% fee. And in fact, uh, some people aren't even aware of this. So there's a user on our site, in fact, on Poker Fraud Alert, who is from the UK. So he can actually switch to British pounds, but he didn't even know this. And he did a withdrawal and got charged 2.5%. And, uh, and then complained afterwards. And I, I don't know if they fixed it or not, but, but he didn't even know this. You have to actually go switch your a currency in the client. So you should definitely switch to your local currency if you can, if you're, you're one of those four currencies or whatever else that might support. But otherwise, you're going to be paying 2.5%. Uh, here's an example. It's a very simple example. Uh, let's say you're from Australia, which is not supported. You want to deposit 100 bucks. Uh, you deposit 100 bucks. They will take $2.50. I'm saying 100 bucks Australian, that is. They'll take $2.50 off the top. Mm-hmm. So your $100 Australian dollar deposit will become a 97.50 Australian dollar deposit. And then right. it'll be converted at the official rate. So uh, that's basically what happens. And uh, uh, this is from Michael Josem explaining this. Michael Josem, by the way, he appeared on the 60 Minutes piece with me in 2008. And he's a nice guy. I, you know, I've talked with him some. And uh, I like him, though. He is 
a big time shill for poker stars. He he says whatever poker stars tells him to say, and uh, he's a bright guy. But uh, when he says things, you have to understand it's it's pretty much like Amaya speaking to you, not Michael Josem the person. So this is what Michael Josem said. Uh, Poker Stars has made some changes to currency exchange rates, and we thought we should provide a little context to the decision. Poker Stars has historically applied the mid market exchange rate, uh, and before that, uh, um, exchange rate for exchanging between U.S. dollars and and British pounds, euros, and Canadian dollars. That rate of exchange is simply not one you would have from any financial institution or processor. So he's trying to say here. Uh, if you did this with your bank, you'd lose that money like I was just describing happened to me. Right, which is true. The pol- this policy changes uh, changed is to introduce a margin on these currencies that does, not, that, that does move us more in line with the market. But we're very confident that the new rate applied to your selected currency is still going to be extremely competitive. In fact, we'd say it's better than offered by most banks, card issuers, and payment providers. Well, that's not completely true because credit cards will actually give you that $5 million rate. Uh, I was just in your country, yes. Daredevil, in, in Canada, and mm-hmm. if you have a credit card without a foreign exchange fee, which is not hard to get, uh, I was able to charge in Canada whatever I wanted on my American credit card, and they gave me the $5 million exchange rate, the exact exchange rate of the day, and it was very nice having that. So uh, he's, it's true like with wires that you will lose the money, but uh, credit card is not true. So Yeah, and it is true with banks, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, but. Uh, the margin on these currencies applied to the mid-market exchange rate uh, will be a- applicable only at the point of deposit and withdrawal. So you do lose it on both ends, by the way, which is annoying. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So that that ninety-seven fifty Australian, that guy runs it up to two hundred, and he's going to lose four bucks on that. If he yeah, if he runs it up to two hundred and then cashes out two hundred, yeah, then he loses another four. So he loses a six fifty of the whole thing, which is annoying. So, wow. yeah, and more than that if he runs it up even more. So, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. If, if you run it up big, obviously if you, you know, deal with $100, $200, it's only a few bucks, it doesn't matter. But uh, large sums of money is where it hurts. And I just felt that with a withdrawal I did, which was almost 10 k where I lost a few hundred bucks, and it felt weird. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, and then not about poker stars. I don't play on there, but uh, from a different side I play on. So, uh, he said, we frequently review policies – uh, or sorry, let me say one other thing he mentioned. Uh, there remains no fee to transfer between currency wallets and the PokerStars client, nor for joining or leaving poker tables in different currencies. We frequently review our policies across all parts of the business, which all go toward making PokerStars the safest and most secure poker site to play at. But we will post here again before any future currency exchange change goes live. So that's BS. They're not doing this to make the safest and most secure poker site. They're doing it to make more money. And... Uh, yeah, they they just they're tired of eating those fees, is what they're doing. They said, "You eat them, player. We don't want to eat them anymore." Well, uh, obviously, so they think in the end this is going to make them more money than you know whatever customers they lose. Yeah, yeah, they, and I mean, I guess it's too early to tell. We'll yeah, see. it is with a lot of these things. A lot of these nickel and dime type things, it's hard to tell if the general public will just shrug and pay it, in which case you've made yourself a lot of money, or if it's going to get people pissed and it's going to drive them away. Uh, I had this discussion, of, uh, like a totally different uh, situation, but a similar concept. Uh, my parents stayed at Caesars with me uh, two years ago during New Year's. I, I got them a room there. And uh, they saw that Caesars provided a 
Keurig coffee maker, and they're like, oh, cool. And then they see the Keurig charges $12 for like four K-cups to make coffee. And they were outraged by that. They go, what, $12 for four K-cups? What a ripoff. Okay? Like they couldn't believe that they put the coffee maker in the room and then mark up the coffee so badly. And Keurig charges it or Caesar's? No, charges Caesar it? charges it for four K-cups for, uh, for this Keurig coffee oh, okay. maker. Oh, okay. You said Keurig. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, so so I I said that, you know, that's, I agree with you. I actually think Caesar's is making a mistake here by getting people pissed off when they see that because everyone's going to react like you, like, oh, my God, $12. So, yes, people will pay it, but they're going to remember that and maybe not want to come back to Caesars over such a right. stupid matter of $12. They should, I'm not saying well, they should give it for free, but at least yeah. be reasonable to not like not have it be something that you remember negatively that doesn't make them that much money. That's what a yep. business should never do. But but maybe players will just get used to this and say, hey, you know, uh, that's just the cost of playing poker these days, and that's it, and we're not going to leave – uh, we're not going to leave poker stars over it. So they, yeah. there is something. That, that... It kind of reminds me of the Vegas resort fee. Yeah, that's a good, another um, good example. You know, a lot of people I know that went there for the first time were absolutely outraged. And they said, oh, we'll never go back. This is a con. Da, da, da. And now it's like, well, it's just part of going there. And that's kind of what it's got to be. So, but then again, every property charges it. So, yeah, it's hard to, to my knowledge at this point, not every poker room charges for the foreign exchange. So, yeah. We'll see. And, and you know, poker stars. One problem for the player is they are a monopoly, almost. They're not quite a monopoly, but they're getting close to a monopoly. They've got Poker Stars mm. in full tilt. Yeah. The two biggest ones. So the, yeah, there's Party and there's 888 and iPoker, but everyone knows the biggest site to go to, the place to go to for poker. So they figure if they don't get really outrageous with what they're doing, that they can squeeze more money and people won't leave, and they might be right. So that's what they're doing. They're just, they just don't want to eat these fees anymore, and they don't want to – Eat this as a cost of doing business. They now want you to carry your own weight in exchanging money. So, uh, Jay Stat saying in chat, Caesar's Palace is a dump. I, I don't agree. I think Caesar's Palace is a nice place. Uh, I, yeah, think, I, agree. I think a lot of the other casinos they have there are dumps or semi dumps, but uh, I, Caesar's is still a nice place. There's still a lot of operational failure there, but. I think the – and if you don't stay in the Roman Tower, the Roman Tower is a, a dump. But if you stay in one of the newer or semi-newer towers, I, I think it's fairly nice. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that's the only Caesars property that I actually like is Caesars. Yeah. I, also, bad news for you though, Todd. They took out one of those talking fountains in the forum shops. You know what? So I don't know if that changes your <laughs> well, opinion. Well, it's funny because – your son might not like it. I would walk by it, and they would always have this sign up there that – They're resting? Yeah, it's taking a rest. It, it, yeah. It's resting. It said right. the gods are resting. Yeah, the gods are resting. And they've been resting for so long, so I guess they finally mm-hmm. took him out. Are, are yeah. they actually gone now? Yeah, it's oh, actually okay. – the whole thing is gone. It's just an empty floor. It looks kind of weird just because you know I remember always being there. But it's funny. This was a joke between uh, me and, and my girlfriend because – I had told her before all this happened with the uh, gods taking a rest that I used to chat in this uh, chat room in the 90s called Japan Windows. And it, it actually had nothing to do with Japan. It was just run by some Japanese people, and they called it Japan Windows, but it was like an American okay. chat room. So one day Japan Windows just went down, but instead of just disappearing, it had this stupid message up there saying, Japan Windows is sleeping. Japan Windows <laughs> is taking a rest. So it, it, it puts it two ways. Japan Windows is sleeping. Japan Windows is taking a rest. Well, uh, 
needless to say, Japan Windows never woke up. So uh, it jumped out the window. I told her about this about Japan Windows taking a rest. I forgot what made me think of it, but then of all things, we're walking through the forum shops and we see that the gods are taking a rest, and, and just like Japan <laughs> Windows, and they never woke up. No, I'll tell you some. Well, this is salacious. This is like poker fraud alert TMZ. Yeah. But last summer when I was in the forum shops, I saw Matt the Rat having a bit of a spat with his girlfriend. Mm. So there's some hot gossip really? that nobody cares about. I think it's his wife, actually. Or okay, his wife. His yeah. lady. Wow. I, yeah. always, I, always I couldn't picture, believe it. I always picture Matt the Rat as someone who like never fights with his wife. I don't know why. I just uh... I know he seems like such a nice man. Who knows? I don't know the origin. That's that's my TMZ wow. hit. Wow. You saw Matt the Rat attack his... piece on Matt the Rat. I, yeah. I've never seen his wife. Like I've seen him a whole lot in Vegas, but he he talks to, like his wife being there, but then uh, like you don't see her. But like I can understand that because like usually when I'm walking around the casinos, when my girlfriend's there or Benjamin is there, like you don't see them either. You just kind of see me by myself. Right. But, and honestly, if I'm getting dragged through the forum shops, I'm probably also having a spat with my girlfriend because so you, so you think I don't want wife, to be there. You think his wife was dragging him through the forum shops and he didn't want to be well, there? Well, yeah, they were walking through there, and I don't know. I don't know what it was about, but that, that, that place is just – all those big shopping malls in Vegas are nauseating. But well, anyway, yeah, it's, sorry, it's, off topic. The worst thing is when you get really deep in there and you're like so far back and then you, you have to walk so far to get back to Caesars yep. at that point and uh, – um, and yeah, those places still the, – the casinos, you know, they kind of trap you or they used to. But they don't so much anymore. But I find the malls do. I find I get turned around in there. Maybe oh, yeah. Oh, it, it's so hard. I'm always lost in oh, those. Yeah. It's like a fucking miracle mile. Oh, yeah. I don't know where I am. No, this happened to me uh, five years ago when uh, my, my girlfriend came to see me. And it was the first time we'd seen each other in 16 and a half years. And uh, we'd been talking on the phone for three weeks. And she flew to Vegas to, to come uh, meet me again. After all this time, and uh, so we actually had our first date dinner at the Boa Steakhouse, which is now gone in the forum shops. But walking back from there, because it's all the way at the end of the forum shops, walking back from there, we got lost, and uh, we we I kept we, we kept trying we kept like passing that uh, that Trojan horse that used to be there for the. Uh, FAO Schwartz uh, store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kept passing that, and that was kind of like the landmark. <laughs> we kept passing and kept getting frustrated. And at least because it was our first date, like we were able to laugh through it and have fun. Right. Like if that happened yeah. today, we'd get pissed off. Like we wouldn't, yeah, we wouldn't yeah. think, oh, this is cute. Like we'd get pissed. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so the, the Boa Steakhouse, which closed since then, which I understand it had, had terrible location on the third floor all the way in the back of that place. But uh, it kind of made me sad it closed just because it was the first date uh, of what ended up uh, being the relationship I have now and has been going for over five years. And Yeah. So, well, that's uh, – you can't get attached to anything in Vegas, right? Everything's oh, yeah. closing eventually. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I don't know how we, we got to that. But, <laughs> I right. don't know. So uh, let's talk about some of the other changes that have happened to PokerStars. Uh, the – Seizing of funds for anyone who is caught playing outside of the United States. Uh, this is a, a disturbing story that happened here. Uh, uh, let me find it. Uh, now, did they announce this as well? Because this is obviously a change in policy. So 
I, I don't play on PokerStars. Was there a blast email? Is there something that pops up? Hey, just so you know, now if you play in the States, we're having zero tolerance, or they change us without telling anyone. Because I think there's a big difference in that as well. Uh, no, they didn't They didn't announce this direct policy. Now, they've been saying for years, since uh, since 2011, that uh, you, you better not play from the States or there'll be problems. But, uh, uh, but they've, they've clearly changed the enforcement of it if if they haven't even changed the policy so yeah so there should so, have been some kind of you know notification so, so here's what happened uh I'm, I'm still trying to find i should have had this prepared but there's a um so somewhere on this forum where'd it go where did it go i i thought i'd be able to find it easily so i didn't bother to save this page uh well here's what happened a guy played a guy who's canadian was visiting the U.S. and he quote accidentally played in some games from the U.S. using like cell phone internet, and uh, he claimed he you know he thought he was you know he was close to the border. He didn't realize he was using a, a, an American cell phone signal or or no no I know what it was. Yeah. He claimed he was actually he he thought he was sitting in play money. That's what it was. And he actually had real money. Like it's, it's a BS story, and yeah. obviously the guy wanted to play and thought, see, well, this is what would happen before. If you tried to log on to PokerStars, I'm sure as most of you have tried, if you're in the U.S., it says you can't play. We detected an American IP. You you can't play from the U.S., and that's that. Right. So this guy found that using his cell phone for Internet, that IP was not blocked for whatever reason. So he played a little bit. This was like one day. He wasn't doing it chronically. He wasn't like living in the U.S. and playing this way. This is a Canadian who visited the U.S., used his cell phone internet to play, and, and did play for like one day. And played at fairly low stakes, too, even though he had uh, a good deal of money in his account. Let me see if I can find this. Where's this story? So he's just kind of killing time. I, now, was this through the app, or he went through the... Because you can't... Just play it on a browser, right? So he was using the PokerStars app? Yeah, using the, I, I'm not sure. Is, is there an app now? Yeah, well, there is in it must Canada. Have been, it anyway. must have been the app, yeah. Yeah, because there's no like Flash version, right? Yeah, so uh, where's that part of the story? I can find it. Anyway, uh, the, guy, uh, the guy got caught, and PokerStars not only confiscated his winnings, as was their previous policy, but they also confiscated all of his money, which I believe was around... One million dollars. No, they actually confiscated about uh, 25000 So this is pretty bad. Uh, the... Uh, what, you know what happened to him here, where uh, they they confiscated all of this guy's funds for playing. Okay, in the uh, US. I'm seeing in the chat it was five thousand. Oh, oh, five thousand. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. I can't. I don't know why I can't find the thread. It's on PokerStars. Someone, someone in the chat room, find this for me. Someone find where I talked about this. I even posted about it. I don't think I'm the one who brought it to people's attention, but uh, I know I posted about it. Let me try to search for this. I thought I thought it was in the main Poker Stars thread discussing all the things going on there, and it's not. It's annoying <laughs> to me, but uh, 
I, now, obviously, he's since he's made this public, has there been any change in PokerStars' yeah, position? Well, well PokerStars made it right for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here we are. Here we are. I found the thread. Okay, so this this is what the guy wrote. This is on 2 plus 2. This was on uh, October 25th. PokerStars seized all of my money, over $5,000, for accidentally playing poker on my iPhone with the mobile app. It was the mobile app. Uh, while I was on vacation uh, to the United States. So he uh, accidentally played mm-hmm. uh, played on poker stars there you know it's very easy to accidentally play play money i know that happens to me right. all the time and, and you just forget what country <laughs> yeah it's, you just go oh yeah wow i had no idea all this time i thought i've been playing play money it's real money well it's a good thing when i've been shoving seven deuce offsuit every time uh, that uh, i've been winning like, like who would who would even play play money if you're like a real money? <laughs> you player? have real money. Yeah, I know. Like, why would if you, you just want to fuck around, play one cent, two cent, or just get some break points or whatever. I remember back in the days uh, when railbirds could chat on poker stars, and there was a railbird. They used to always beg for money in the higher oh, games. Yeah. So there was actually a guy who begged for money, and someone jokingly said, "Do you want real money or play money?" And then the guy says, "Well, to be honest, actually play." <laughs> and he was serious. So, but there there was a market for that back in the day. People there was. sold play money for real money, which always astonished me. But that yeah, was a thing. But I don't think he was going to get enough play money to have sold. It was weird. He just wanted play money, so someone shipped him. But yeah, so we know that this guy is full of crap, and that he really was playing for real money. But uh, putting that aside, uh, let me go on with what he wrote that happened, which I thought was pretty bad. Uh, so he says, uh, I played for, for maybe an hour at 25 No Limit Zoom Poker and won $20. The software just allowed me to log on and play for real money without any warnings or notifications. Then when I switched to the hotel's Wi-Fi, I logged on and got a notification I'm not allowed to play while well in the USA. So I didn't play for the remaining six days of my vacation. They froze my account a week later when I was playing back home in Canada and asked for documents to prove who I am and that I was traveling. I came clean with what happened. I gave them the documents. Their next email said they're seizing all my funds, but they will still let me play on their site, LOL. So that that's pretty obnoxious, saying, hey, we're taking yeah. all your money, but if you want to still play here, no problem. We may seize it again <laughs> in the future, but uh, you know, thank you for playing PokerStars. We just stole all your money. Now, By the way, where does the money go? Do they give it back to his opponents? No. Uh, they supposedly donate the seized money to uh, gaming-friendly charities. Huh? Or responsible gaming charities, which is oh, I see. Is stupid, and also that may actually make or save them money because uh, they can probably write it off on their taxes. I don't know, uh, you know, how their taxes are where they pay their taxes, but in the U.S., if you donate to charity, you a lot of it's tax deductible. Mm-hmm. So, or or in least way, it's some PR. Yeah, that some PR kind of right, paying right. for you know in a way. Yeah, it's crap. I mean, they they should say we'll donate it in your name to charities, not we'll just donate it. That's just yeah. Then he can get the write off. Yeah, but but they don't, of course. So they just no. took. Even though he won like twenty bucks, now <laughs> he, he was. So PokerStars confirmed this. PokerStars confirmed this really happened, and. Uh, uh, it's it's pretty obnoxious. Let me uh, get to what they had to say about this. Well, they kind of have a history of this, actually, of 
they kind of do something. People get pissed off and originally they're kind of like obnoxious about it. And then there's so much public sentiment the other way. They kind of quietly reverse their position. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's from Michael Josem again. He says, hi, there appears to be a variety of misunderstandings of our policies in regards to activity from the U.S. Let us share some of this additional information that might be helpful here. As players may be aware, on April 19, 2011, PokerStars agreed with the U.S. Department of Justice to not allow players located in the U.S. to play online poker for real money. As part of that agreement, the DOJ appointed a monitor to ensure we did this. As a result of this agreement, PokerStars introduced a whole range of complementary measures to prevent players from accessing our services from the U.S. and to take action against players who try to circumvent those restrictions. While that monitoring has concluded, which is important, that means the U.S. isn't watching them officially anymore, PokerStars still enforces those restrictions very firmly. Those restrictions and policies which were developed and implemented in conjunction with the monitor appointed by the U.S. DOJ remain in place today. Every single one of those restrictions remains in effect, and in fact, we've expanded upon them. The same procedures and policies have been implemented on full tilt. In addition, earlier this year, we increased the severity of our punishments because it's no longer credible for the vast majority of players to claim that they didn't know they can't play from the U.S. Our previous policy was by default to confiscate only net winnings, except when we were convinced that the player is malicious, in which case we'd confiscate the whole balance. Over recent months, by default, we've been confiscating the whole balance, uh, except when we've convinced the player is non-malicious and no knowledge of the restrictions, in which case we only confiscate net winnings. We made this decision earlier this year, and this decision has no relationship to any other announcements. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's always Convenient. what they say. It's always, it's always not Amaya. It's always just like, we, we just happen to be doing this right now after Amaya bought us. Uh-huh. Uh, these confiscations are still subject to our ordinary process to ensure this happens in a fair manner and allows the player the right to appeal such decisions. And a key pro- part of this process, of course, is to ensure that such decisions are based upon actual facts and evidence, not merely hearsay on the Internet. If players have any evidence of people breaking our rules, then we would encourage them to snitch, So no, he's to send it to us, so that we can investigate it properly. Oh, come on. Who's going to do that? That's, that's kind of a dick move to report someone for this. I mean, I, I totally support reporting cheating, but if you know someone who's snuck onto poker stars, let them do how, it. How would you even report? How would you even find that out? Like, that's, I like someone I brags know. about it or something, but it, I guess, that's but a dick move that's, to do. That's like. hearsay on the internet, Todd. We can't take that. <laughs> yeah. as... that's, I mean, that's a dick move, though, to find out someone's playing on poker stars from the U.S. and report them. Yeah. Anyway, that's a total snitch move there. But, yeah, that's what uh, Michael Josem had to say about it. And uh, and then PokerStars Chris, the VIP manager, said that it's important to note all funds seized in these cases are donated to responsible gaming charities. So this guy ended up uh, getting a resolution that he was happy with. He wouldn't disclose what it was. That was part of the agreement. He said, uh, where is it here? I want to thank PokerStars Chris for helping out and everyone else who posted in this thread. It was good to hear all of your views on the matter. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to discuss the details of resolution, but I will say they were fair, and I'm happy with the results. See you on the table. So I, I guess they this is on the 29th, four days later, as you said, thanks to the outrage. But at first, they were going back and forth with them, saying, F you, we believe everything you're saying, but we're still taking it. Uh, mm-hmm. We believe everything except that it was an accident. But they, we believe you were only on vacation. We believe this only happened on one day. We believe you really live in Canada. We believe all your play has been from Canada except this one time. But we're still taking it. And I think that's the crappy part. I think there's a huge difference between finding an American who fakes moving to Canada or somewhere else and is really playing from the U.S. and then confiscating the money and 
someone who was on vacation and somehow still played. Even if they did like this guy did and like just tried the app and it worked and they're like, oh, all right, if it works, it works. Uh, this failure was on PokerStar's side. He didn't circumvent anything. Right. He There were no blocks in place to yeah, prevent him. Yeah. He, he just tried and it worked. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, also, this is this is too much zero to sixty. Like I could see if the third strike is we seize all your money, or you know. But for you know, like like they're saying, a first offense for you know just a small game like this, you can't. Like it, it should, if they want to implement something like this, it should be a sort of step system where the first time he loses the twenty bucks. Then the next time something, and then third time he loses whole balance. Yeah, unless I can understand if they find strong evidence that someone has the entire time been playing from the U.S. and faking moving out of the country, but not mm-hmm. not for something like this, it should definitely be a strike program because if you have right. someone who's legitimately living in another country and is citizen of another country and happens to be in the U.S. and and just lucks into playing online somehow without trying to circumvent it, you you can't take his whole balance. That's obnoxious and. Uh, some people say this is a money grab. I don't think so. $5,000 is peanuts to poker stars. It's tiny. The, yeah. The, the, I don't think it's worth alienating a, a customer no, yeah, it's not, over because they don't always know it's going to be five grand. He yeah. could only have 40 bucks in his account. Yeah. And so I, I don't think uh, they did this to get the guys five grand. But I think the reason they did it is Amaya has decided that since they want to enter the legalized U.S. market. Mm-hmm that they want to keep their noses super, super clean. And they want to, if they're going to err, it's going to be on the side of being too cautious about this and not on the side of the players. So they're happy to screw their players who show up playing from the U.S. in some way rather than have the slightest suspicion from the Department of Justice that they are being permissive with allowing people to play from the U.S. They want to show the Department of Justice, if they're asked, how harsh they are on anyone caught playing from the U.S. for any reason. And that's why they did this. And then there was the huge backlash. So they told the guy, okay, look, uh, they probably gave him his money back for a warning or something and just kept the 20 bucks is my guess. But they probably told him, look, uh, we'll let you off this time. Only because of the outrage, of course. At first they told him F off. So they didn't do the right thing when he tried to confront them, only when he went public with it. But when there was the big backlash against them for this, they realized that they're better off PR-wise to have this guy come out and say it's been fixed, but to make sure that he doesn't publicly state what's been fixed so this doesn't get back to the DOJ. So this way you don't have a guy publicly announcing, hey, guess what, I played from the U.S. and I still got to keep my balance. It's like... Yeah, they, they've done something that I've agreed with, and uh, I can't discuss this, but it's been fair goodbye. So this way you never really know. And right. uh, that's, that's why they shut him up. But they are really, really panicky that something like this could ruin their chance to be in the U.S. So who are they going to screw in these cases? You, the player. Mm-hmm. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but th- this went from being a private company to publicly traded, right? Yeah. Now that it's a Maya. So that's a big part of it. Just like if you look at all the sites that left after UIGEA, all the publicly traded companies left, basically all the private ones stayed. So anything that's in the legal realm like this, they're going to be super trying to keep their nose clean. Yeah, that's true. 
So that's that's what they're doing here. And unfortunately, the victim in these cases becomes the players. Now, I will say this guy knew what he was doing. This guy was playing from the U.S. and knew he shouldn't have. But mm-hmm. he figured, well, if their client won't stop me, uh, I might as well. Uh, you know, what's going to happen? And he saw what happened, but uh, he figured it was up to their client to stop it. And that's another reason not to confiscate his money is because there it was a failure on their end for not stopping him. He shouldn't have done it, but they also didn't have the right uh, – measures in place to stop this particular cell phone provider True. from accessing yeah. it. And that's a big flaw on their end. They, uh, they should say, okay, we found this flaw. We fixed it. Don't ever do this again. Uh, and, and, and issued them a very stern warning. And that was it. They even, even put out a, if they want to even put out a press release and not even mentioning this happened, but put out a press release saying, look, uh, we found with a mobile app uh, occasionally, uh, it can slip through, but if you know, we're working to close this hole, but if we ca- catch anyone playing from the U.S., we're going to confiscate your money. But, like some kind of warning, but they didn't do that. They just keep quiet about it, and then when they just take the guy's money uh, to show they're being harsher. So, uh, again, don't believe what Michael Josem says. It, of course it has to do with a new ownership group. Of course it does. So other things that have happened, I'm not going to talk long about these we talked about on previous shows but uh yeah the releasing of all these pros the sponsored pros they don't think are worth it again just to make more money because they they didn't want to pay for these pros that aren't delivering a return to them and uh these spin and go tournaments which use a random element to determine the prize for winning the sit and go and uh for the most part you're going to get severely underpaid in order to allow a few people to win like thousands times more than they should have won otherwise. So it's uh, it's taking from almost everyone to give to a few in a completely luck-based model. And that's different than the luck-based model of poker where the cards sometimes determine whether you win or lose the hand rather than your skill. That That's part of poker. But uh, uh, a, a random element determining the prize pool isn't, especially by such a, a large uh, degree. So... Now here's what. Dan well, I, I I do disagree with you on that. I heard when yeah. you did that show, but um, you know, again, the, this is all you know what they think is ultimately going to make them the most money. Just like you know, would you say the same of a bad beat jackpot? You're taking from most to make a few people, you know, well, I, a, I don't a big like, sum well, of money. And I don't like bad beat jackpots, and I don't play in places that have those drops. But it, it's 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 a business idea because when the Bad B gets high enough, the room is very full. And this is the same kind of thing. They're thinking, well, someone's going to think I can win a three-person sit-and-go for 30 grand, and that's going to attract people. And then, again, to me, I don't see the, the scandal in that, that they're a business. This is a business idea. Whether it's going to make or lose the money in the long run, we don't know, but that's up to them. It's just a, uh, it's just the same as a promo. Well, right? yeah, I understand that, and, and I do believe this will excite the recreational players uh, to play on these things. Uh, the thing I didn't like is to the extreme it's being done, as shown uh, mathematically by the guy who analyzed it, uh, it is about impossible to show a profit if you play like a thousand of these unless you luck into one of the really big prizes, which is highly unlikely. Uh, right. And, and this is but, I mean, like couldn't you say the dollar. same of like a winner-take-all tournament? Yeah, but there aren't many of those. But at least you know the, the True. thing is. But if somebody offered that, but you at least, know, you know, but at least that's a... that's a little different though, because at least there's still a lot of skill in that. And yes, you have to get very lucky to get there, but it's not like like someone who's a much better player has a much better chance to win a winner take all tournament than someone who's a fish. Uh, here, a fish, 
the only thing he has to do is win a three-player sit-and-go, and then he has the same chance at that point to win uh, you know, many thousands, like 3,000 times what his uh, normal prize would be. and uh, or, or not 3,000 times, I guess, because 1,000 times. I guess they're giving 3,000 times the buy-in for three players. So, but, but still, way, way, way more than his normal prize should be. His prize should be $20, instead he wins $20,000. And I understand why this is exciting for low-stakes players, but at the same time, anybody who grinds these things, they can't. It's just they take so much off the typical player that unless you hit one of these big prizes, that you're just not right. going to win. But, it, but in reality, it's just increasing the variance. It's not changing the skill level. The, well, the game itself hasn't changed. Yes and no. But the problem is it's increasing the variance so much that... Uh, um, you're unlikely. You're actually unlikely to come out where you should be with it. You're just not going to be able to get enough hands in to smooth out that variance. It just increases it so much where a few people get a ton of money and everybody else suffers. It just it becomes well, too it hard for anyone to grind play it once. It, it, you, you have to play so many to overcome that variance because of the huge difference in prizes awarded. It just, it really wreaks havoc upon the grinders. And that's where I have the problem with it is that uh, if a, an excellent sit and go player over 10,000 games in most cases is going to be behind, that's a problem. Whereas if you add an extra dollar to a jackpot drop, it's annoying and it'll cost you some money, but you can usually still beat it. If you're an excellent player here, you can't. So uh, it's just enriching a few at the expense of almost everybody else and uh, um, and then making it unbeatable for everybody else. That's, that's my problem here with it. But it is optional, too. It is optional. I mean, You're not forced they still to play have it. the regular yeah. sit-and-goes. You're not forced to play it, and I understand that argument. Uh, it does, of course, take players away from the regular sit-and-goes who we used to beat. It's Maybe, just... but you could also argue it's attracting people that would have never played the regular sit-and-goes. They see a commercial for this spin and go, oh, I gotta, I'll go on there and do that. And they may not be, you know, regular players. That's, that's clearly who they're trying to attract with this is super casual. I mean, I see the ads here in Canada all the time for the spin and goes on, uh, you know, sports and stuff. Really? I, I didn't know they run those. I mean, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure it brings people out to them, but the thing is, if they're not realistically beatable for the grinder, you're not going to want to bother with them anyway. So, like, if, if players sign on to PokerStars just to play those, you're probably not going to want to do it anyway because it's, uh, uh, it's a futile effort for the most part unless you get really lucky with the prize. So yeah, they, unless the level of competition is so low that yeah, it actually they had to be it's really worth... really awful. But the guy Gino. was showing like like how much you have to win. Like it would be an obscene amount you have to win. To I don't the guy who analyzed it didn't feel it was possible for anyone to win at that level, uh, <laughs> even with some awful players. Right. Okay. So, well, so, I mean, again, I. Yeah, to me, it's just I, I think people are overreacting a little bit because it's 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 not changing. The game itself, that's not luck-based. It, it's kind of akin to saying, well, we're going to have a 10,000-person tournament once a month, and it's winner-take-all. Yeah, the variance will be super, super high, and you probably will never play it enough to win. But again, you know, it's just a product that they're offering, and you can play it or not. And PokerStars doesn't have any you know, responsibility to the grinders. They have this responsibility to their shareholders, no, their business. Are. So, I mean, I, I think like a lot of people... I think like you just kind of feel this connection to them and they made their bones on there and they saw them as the sort of, you know, proponent of poker and poker only and pure poker and it's changing and they don't like it, which I understand. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I honestly, I'm fine with pretty much everything they're doing just because 
they're a business and they think all these decisions will make the money and they either will or they won't. And you're the consumer and you have the choice to play there or somewhere else. Well, I actually said something similar on the last show where I talked about this. I said that uh, I would not like it if I were a grinder there, but uh, I understand why they're doing it. And I also understand that they don't need the grinders anymore. They really don't need them because they've gotten so large that uh, the grinders are, are not of help to them anymore. The grinders are very helpful to a smaller or medium-sized site because they keep games running and they get games running. The grinders are the ones who will sit there alone waiting for people to sit down with them because if you don't have those grinders waiting for players to play with them, then it's going to be right. all zeros there and the fish are never going to play. The fish, Yeah, the ulti- fish, ultimate poker needs grinders. Yeah, the, poker stars them. Right. The fish open up a, a client. They see all zeros as far as who's at the table. They close it. They're not going to sit there and wait. So that's where the grinders are very helpful, that they keep games going. Uh, a huge site like PokerStars that always has games going, with or without the grinders, they don't need the grinders. In fact, the grinders hurt them because they take money off the site. And uh, mm-hmm. th- that's the worst for an online poker site is when grinders take money off the site. They, if the online poker sites had their way, nobody would ever take money off the site. They just kind of rotate the money back and forth. Uh, uh, right. And, and they pay, just keep raking it. So rake it yeah. off, yeah. You, you don't want consistent winners if you're running one of these sites. The only way you want them is if you're a small site and you need that, you need that winner to keep the game going. In fact, it's funny because I had this argument with people who played on UB after the scandal. And this is the way the argument went. I say, why do you play on UB? It's the same ownership, the same people who cheated us. Why are you giving them business? And they say back to me, I'm not giving the business. I have such an incredible rake back and VIP deal that I'm actually getting about 100% rake back. So I'm not giving the business, and in fact, I'm beating the fish so the fish don't have a chance to cycle that money through. I beat them heads up quickly, so I'm actually hurting them by being on here. So I said, well, no, you're not. Ridiculous. You're not hurting them because even if, you're to make, even if you're not paying any rake, and even if you are beating the fish, you are creating games. The fish, they don't like losing, but what they like even less on a poker site is to see no games going. And you are being an unpaid prop for that site. Basically, that's what you're doing by waiting there to start games. So you don't have to pay rake on a site like UB, which is not super active. You needed to uh, you're, you're there to start games. You're there to keep games going voluntarily and you're helping them exist that way. If all the grinders left, that site would go to crap and it, hardly anyone would be there. So uh, that, that's what I said to him. But on PokerStars, they don't need the grinders and they've realized that. And that's another thing that they have learned. On Poker Stars, and Negranu said this in an obnoxious way. He said, uh, "You know, you guys need Poker Stars. Poker Stars doesn't need you," which is true in a way. But you don't say that when you're a spokesman for the site. It sounds arrogant. But but what he really meant was that we've gotten so big that the only service the grinders provide is keeping games going. And if games are always going with or without you, then we don't need you. It's it's almost like a restaurant that uh, is always full. And if you're unhappy with them and say, you better change this and this and this or I'm never coming back. Well, if they've got every table full for every moment they're open, they say, F you, don't come back. We don't need you because if you're not going to be sitting here, someone else will. And uh, yet if it's a restaurant that, that isn't that full, then your your repeated business is important. So that's a, it's a similar concept here. And Amaya has realized that they don't need to kiss ass to the grinders anymore. They're not of any use. And it, it gets people mad. But uh, now they're trying to be careful about it and that they don't want to piss off the grinders too much and create a big wave of negative PR. 
But at the same time, they say, well, if, if it's only like the 2 plus 2 grinder diehards we're going to lose, let them go. So, right, uh, and those are also the toughest customers for them, right? They take up the most resources in terms of, you know, the, the FPPs and the emails they send. They complain the most, you know what I mean? Like that's the customer that is costing them the most in more ways than one. Yeah, they So are I can kind of, see that, but yeah. it, it does seem really, you know, like I said, it seems shitty if I played on there and I said, well, I've kind of built this company up. Yeah, and now they're turning their back on me. I personally wouldn't, like I said, I personally would would feel shitty about it. But at the same time, I would think, well, this is a business decision they're making, and I, as a customer, have the choice to support them or leave and show them that you know I really don't like this. And if enough people leave, they will change it back. Yeah, and that's the you know that's basically what you've got as a customer. And, you know, uh, I, I don't have this weird love of poker stars that a lot of people do. So I, I'm almost kind of hoping this blows up in their face. But <laughs> So here's what Negranu wrote. Negranu, uh, he's still a sponsored pro there. He's still uh, very much the face of poker stars. And he is trying to reason with the community as to why all this is okay. And, as we've said on this show, a lot of it is okay. It's just frustrating for the grinders. But uh, Negrinder writes some things I just don't believe here. Here's what he wrote. Hello, players. Or sorry, that's, that's the wrong thing. Let me, uh, let me get to the uh, Negrinder thing. Here's what he had to say. I wanted to clear up a few misconceptions about some of the recent changes at PokerStars and throw in my two cents. First of all, I think it's really important to note that most recent changes were going to happen well before the new ownership group took over. <laughs> uh, right. What a coincidence that all these major changes just happened to be after Amaya bought them. I'm sure it was all going to happen anyway. The online poker landscape has changed over the last few years, and many of these changes were inevitable in a competitive market for the company to continue to be a world leader. It's BS. Not, not a world, the world leader. That's BS. They were going to be the world leader with or without these changes. These changes to make money. While I get it, nobody gets excited over rake increases. I think it's important to note that PokerStars remains the cheapest place to play online poker. The rake increases are still smaller than what the competition offers, and that's before you account for the generous VIP programs. And he's right there. They still offer the best deal, so yeah, they're just pretty much bringing themselves closer to the competition, which is fine. Several years ago, the WSOP announced some increases to their rake in tournaments. I heard from a lot of poker players who complained that they would be unbeatable and no one would want to pay that kind of rake. Since that time, the WSOP continues to break attendance records each year. Back then, despite having no affiliation, despite having no affiliation with the WSOP other than being a fan, I understood that the reasoning for the increases and, and accepted that the company needed to do what they felt was necessary, while at the same time understanding that players wouldn't love the changes. When the new popular spin-and-go format was introduced for PokerStars, many of them thought that this was based on a directive from the new Amaya group. Yeah, why would they think that? Maybe because Amaya keeps changing everything right after they bought it? Uh, that's just not true. Yeah, sure, Daniel. <laughs> uh, broadening the game offerings was always something PokerStars looked to do each year, and the plan to launch spin-and-goes was put in place long before Amaya came around. What are they talking about? This was put in long after the... 
they may have talked about this may have been kicked around years ago and they decided not to, but the, this was put in long after Amaya came around. This was put in recently. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the way to, it sounds like he's, it's one of those things where he's not really lying, but not really being honest. Like, yes, they've always looked to offer different games. Yes. This might've been something somebody brought up in a meeting like a year ago, but obviously Amaya is the one who decided this is something we need to implement. Yeah, I mean, if this was discussed a long time ago, then obviously it was discussed and someone said, no, this sucks, right. we're not doing it. Because how hard would it be, you know, this is just software yeah. to put to, to just add that spin element to it. It's, I mean, you're a programmer, what, what would that take, uh, 12 hours? Like, yeah, yeah, this would not be hard to do. So so obviously someone said no at old poker stars, and Amaya said yes. So he's proving it right here that this, uh, if they thought of this before and rejected it, then it's especially true that Amaya is doing uh, while the ownership group at PokerStars may have changed, most most all of the key employees and decision makers at PokerStars are still in place. And from what I've seen, it's business as usual for the most part. And that that's not true. That that part I don't like. That's not a true statement, Daniel. Because yes, you have the same people. It is true. You have a lot of the same people, the Lee Jones types there that have always been there. And this is what confuses people: is you have a lot of the same faces. A lot of the same names, but they're acting differently. And why? Because their bosses are telling them to act differently. The bosses are telling them, this is our focus now. This is what we're doing now. This is how we're doing things now. This is, where we're, this is what we're introducing now, and this is why. And you better, you better get on board with what we're saying here or you're gone. I'm sure they're not threatening people directly that way, but everyone knows that's what they mean. Everyone knows that Amaya feels that this is the direction they're going. They give some sort of feel-good explanation as to the market has changed, blah, blah, blah. This is necessary, blah, blah, blah. And then people like Daniel Negreanu and Michael Josem get lockstep in with Poker Stars in uh, supporting this because they feel they have to. They're not going to come out and say, hey, uh, Amaya sucks. They're, they're ruining Poker Stars. They're, uh, <laughs> they're awful. Uh, I, I really wish they never bought them, but what can I do? I just work here. They're not going to say that. They're going to come out and defend it using the logic presented to them. They're basically the mouthpiece for Amaya here. And, yeah, this um, is and this is not unfamiliar to poker players. Yeah, I mean this is, you know, we've seen this before. It's funny because it doesn't even seem like business as usual. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, all the optics have changed. It's all and it's all happened in a short period of time. So I, I don't even know yeah. where he's coming from on that. Yeah, so it's misleading because you have a lot of the same faces, but they're just different. It's almost like. Uh, the science fiction movies where you see people's bodies invaded by aliens. They, they look the same, but uh, suddenly they're acting toward a different objective. But in here, no one's body was invaded, but they were uh, – they they have to bend to the will of their new bosses. Otherwise, they won't be in the company anymore. So that's what's really going on here, and that's why saying the same management team is – is in place does not matter if the ownership is changing the management's direction because they're the the ownership is the one that really makes the decisions. Uh, going on here, PokerStars has and always will look to be regulated in more and more markets, and depending on different government regulations, that can be both costly and create some barriers. PokerStars is regulated in more countries than any other poker site, and I don't believe it's even close. It's always been the company's policy that regulation is a good thing despite the cost. The other area that has helped PokerStars remain number one so long is it has uh, has been the company's ability to attract new players. As I wrote in a previous blog, bringing new recreational players to the game, PokerStars, without bringing 
new recreational players to the game, poker games simply die. It's imperative that we attract new players, and I do believe the company's strategy will do that. If that strategy works, we could it can mean more profit for the online grinders in the long run. Of course, that remains to be seen over the next couple of years, but I'm confident in the company's vision, and I'm fully aligned with the direction they are going. Yeah, you don't have a choice. Although I, I do agree with them. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, that they, they've, they've shifted their focus from the grinders to the casuals, and poker needs that influx of casuals, and a lot of the things they're doing are going to attract them. I, I think the spin and go, yes. I think the rest of the stuff they're doing is just to make more money. Mm, you don't think sports betting is going to attract people? The sports betting will, but uh, I was talking about the things this uh, you know this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. but, yeah, the sports betting for sure is trying to bring casuals. And, in fact, uh, I, I think the, the problem with the sports betting, I do think, is that uh, unless they really push themselves as a sports book, you're just going to have the fish shooting off their money that way rather than at the poker tables. Uh, if a place is known more as a sports book than a poker place, uh, then it really helps it. Like uh, the, the best right. poker games I've played in my life have been on sports book sites. Yeah, WSEX, whatever that was. Yeah, you know, I didn't. Do you remember that, that site? I, I, that I was should, a very yes. patch back in the day. I know. I should have. I should have played there. I, I, oh, I found, you should have. I found out later. I was one I missed. That's that's one I missed. I found some other ones. Like the Boss Media Network was one I just crushed. Then it was a sports book, but uh, a lot of sports books fed into that. But uh, no, I missed WSEX, even though I have friends who played on there and made a fortune. That actually didn't tell me about it because they didn't want me <laughs> taking pieces. They, they told me that. So we kept we, we kept quiet about it. We didn't want to tell you because we know you'd be there all day and all night, you know, trying to beat the fish there. So uh, anyway, he finishes off writing. I have met with the new owners, and I think they have some really exciting and innovative ideas to attract more casual players to the game. So I like I don't think they're increasing the rake to attract new players. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, they're not increasing foreign exchange fees to attract new players. There's a lot they're doing here to save money. They're, they're not firing poker pros on the site to attract new players. A lot of well, these are just for money. But I think they might be for money and also not not to attract new players, but possibly deter grinders. Yeah, I, that's, I, I do believe there might be, similar to what Bodog has been doing for years, they might have taken the attitude of, we're going to become grinder hostile. And yeah. uh, uh, Bodog has done that more and more over the years. Uh, that's why they have the anonymous tables. That's why they were offering for a while rake back only to fish or increased rake back to fish where they had this weird formula where depending on how much of a fish you were, the more rake back you'd get. Uh, that's why they would send deposit bonuses and promotions only to fish. Uh, that they had a lot of things in place to where they were trying to be grinder hostile rather than uh, uh, trying to pacify the grinders. And this, this was annoying to the grinders, but uh, Bodog has always uh, tried the model of we don't want grinders killing our site. We don't want our grinders making a living off our site. We'll tolerate them. We're not going to kick them off, but we're not going to make life pleasant for them. And uh, that's like currently Bovada, for example, if a table fills up, not only can't you get on a wait list, but the table disappears. You can't even see it in the client anymore until a seat opens. 
So they're, mm-hmm. they're really trying to make it difficult for grinders to observe running games and say, oh, look at the fish here. I'm going to wait to jump in or I'm going to get on the waiting list to jump in. Uh, this way you can only sit in games with currently open seats. Otherwise, you can't see what's going on. Hmm. So there, these are a lot of grinder hostile policies they have going on there that on the surface just kind of seem odd, but the whole point is to make things more difficult on the players who are trying to use it to make a living. And I think that Poker Stars, which before was very uh, pro-grinder, has decided to go the other way under Amaya's direction and be anti-grinder. So I, you're correct in that I believe they are trying to be grinder hostile here. So that's what Negranu had to say, and uh, you have to understand when he speaks about this, or Michael Josem speaks, even if you like these guys personally, they are saying what Poker Stars wants them to say, and they're not exactly being themselves with with these topics. So, speaking of grinders, and this is the type of thing I'm sure pisses off Poker Stars even more, uh, but they're not doing much about it. It's kind of weird. There's a sit-out trick that you can use in tournaments. And you may not know about it, and if you hear this, you you can probably use it right now. And it's not a big secret anymore, it's been revealed. But have you ever wondered how they move you from table to table when you're in an online tournament? Have you ever wondered how they get selected? Just assumed it was a random... Yeah, algorithm. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it just kind of grabs someone randomly and moves them. Well, it turns out it's not. Uh, Poker Stars had an algorithm that would try to move people to cause the least amount of disruption to the game. So, from what people came to understand, the priority would work like this: uh, first, it would be more likely to grab someone currently sitting out at the table than anyone else. And second, it would be more likely to grab someone about to take their big blind than anyone else. And uh, the reason they would do this, uh, the sitting out thing they would do in order to uh, prevent less disruption to the game, to where if you have, it's better to move someone that's been disconnected for a while or just away from the computer because they, you know, they're not watching anyway. They're not... Uh, actively playing anyway than to move people who are actively involved in all the hands. So they would move someone sitting out. And then as far as moving the big blind, uh, this would prevent people from lucking into free hands or the reverse getting screwed on free hands because like, let's say you're on the button and then it moves you in the big blind. You're annoyed. And if the reverse happens, you're happy. I mean, this happens to me all the time at the world series. I run so bad in that at the world series. Uh, when, whenever people discuss when the table's going to break in the World Series, you start seeing the tables nearby breaking. And, and people go, when do you think it's going to happen? I say, it's going to happen right after I take my butt. <laughs> and, and it's true. You would not believe how often that happens. And then I always get moved into the big blind. Always. Like I, I, I get the button comes. I take it. Then they show up. Okay, guys, hands, you know, table's breaking. They move me to my new table. I walk over there and I go, oh, no. Seat number four, big blind is at seat number three. Crap. I'm big blind next time. So that guy, uh, and it always seems to happen to me, especially when I'm short stacked. I'm short stacked. I, I can't afford these blinds as it is. And then I, I lose the button and get moved to the big blind. Like it's so often in the World Series, this happens to me. But uh, 
PokerStars tries to prevent this and make it fair for everyone by moving the big blind, or the one who's going to be the big blind next, into the big blind at another table. Uh, it tries to do that. It tries to move sitting out people. Well, the tournament grinders figured this out. And while they can't control when they're the big blind, they can control when they're sitting out. So while it's stupid to sit out in the later stages of the tournament or even the middle stages where uh, there's antes and the blinds are fairly big, at the beginning of a tournament, let's say you get put at a crappy table full of uh, very tough players, especially some of the high buy-in tournaments where uh, you can be at terrible tough tables and wish you were at a different table. If you don't like the table you're given, you just sit out, and there's a high chance you're going to be grabbed and moved to a different table. Then you take a look at that table. Hmm, do I like this table? Uh, no, let me try again. Sit out again. Uh, okay, I got moved again. Yeah, I like this one. There's a lot of fish over here. No one I recognize. Yeah, I'll stick here. You sit in. So this became a big problem. At first, only a few people realized this. Then it became more and more uh, known from tournament pros talking to one another to where this started become becoming very uh, common to, to occur over there. And it became a big problem. And uh, would you believe it, it was uh, it was analyzed that at certain MTTs, multi-table tournaments, about fifty percent of the players were doing this. Can you believe that? And nobody noticed. Oh, they <laughs> like noticed. Poker stars I, didn't notice. I, I, that's, that's the funny thing is that like six months ago, people were noticing this and complaining to poker stars. And poker stars was dismissing them. Poker stars was either saying, you're wrong, this isn't true, this isn't the way we do it. The sitting out, they, they think they're getting an advantage, but they're not. But in, in reality, they actually were. Or they said, yeah, 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 we know about it. We're, we're going to take care of it at some point but then would just brush them off and not do anything about it. So uh, high-stakes online pro Steve O'Dwyer, also known as Mr. Tim Calm, uh, went to 2 plus 2 and complained about this and uh, was uh, was really annoyed about the situation, and especially about the long time that... Uh, that it took poker stars to even acknowledge this. So, um, yeah, in, in some of the higher stakes tournaments, as I said, half the people were pulling this. And uh, uh, this is becoming a big problem. So, finally, someone from poker stars posted in the 2 plus 2 thread about it. They said, the issue being discussed here is table balancing in tournaments. Table balancing is the process of moving players from tables having more players to tables with fewer players, so all tables in the tournament are populated as equally as possible. This balancing consists of a sequence of operations, each of which moves a single player. At present, the first factor is whether a player is sitting out. It was set up this way in order to minimize the impact of the playing experience. If a player is sitting out, they are presumably not playing, and therefore moving tables has no impact to their playing experience. 
as implied in the original post, there turns out to be an exploit here that we didn't foresee uh, when the table balancing algor- algorithm was designed. Some players have, been, have come to realize that sitting out increases their chances of being moved to a different table and use this exploit when they want it to be moved. It has only recently come to attention in PokerStars Poker Room Management that some people are exploiting the sitting out portion of the table balancing algorithm. Since it came to our attention a few weeks ago, we have been working on a change. It's not true. They were told about this six months ago. I think it's worth noting here that our desire to change this has nothing to do with the fact that it was, quote, made public in the original post. Yeah, right. Uh Rather, our desire to make a change was and is driven by the desire to offer the best poker experience possible. Eh, That's BS. Uh, Once again, they were shamed into doing it. They they brush everyone off until they're shamed into it, and and, uh, everyone is saying, hey, look, here's a way to cheat in these tournaments or, you know, kind of cheat cheat your, with your table assignment and uh, half the people are doing it and then Poker Stars has egg on their face and have to you know, go ahead and change it. Uh, going on, the guy writes, the idea we're currently, the idea that we're currently pursuing is to simply change the sitting out portion of the algorithm to be X number of hands. With such a change, sitting out will only be considered for a table change if that sitting out has happened for X consecutive hands. X can be any number we wish. The higher the number, then the less exploitable this becomes because we'd want to choose a number low enough that sitting out status could still be considered due to the aforementioned desire to minimize the impact of the playing experience. So uh, like any software change, this one will require time to write, test, and implement, but the ball is rolling. That's that's not true. It's not going to take very much time. And I still don't like this because they say X can be any number we wish. Well, unless they make it really, really high, if it's early in the tournament and your table sucks, it's still worth it to sit out, you know, 50 straight hands if it's going to move you. So yeah. I, I think that uh, they should just take out the sitting out part. That's that's the way to fix it. Yeah, also it can't be that hard. I mean, well, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't it easier to take something out Yes. to, to a piece of programming than to add it? Because yes. that's that's just – isn't that just a line or a yeah, few lines yeah, they it, can take out of the program? It's much easier. Now, they're saying they're going to add this thing in here so it's harder. But, yeah, again, the, as you said, this will take more time for them to do. Uh, the, the amazing thing is they were ignoring this, and, and people even complained during live tournaments. You know, two people at PokerStars they would see in person who worked there and tell them, hey, we don't appreciate this, and nobody cared. Nobody cared until a big deal was made on 2 Plus 2 about it. And then they claim, oh, we just found out a few weeks ago. Uh, the, we didn't know, but we know now <laughs> we're doing something about it. Like, uh, now, what I don't understand here is why. Why were they not doing anything about it? Why not, like, jump on this when they realize it? I understand. Uh, it wasn't financially impacting. Yeah, that's probably why. That's probably they, why. they were too busy making casino games on full tilt. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's probably why. It's you know I, I guess it's kind of the same reason Ultimate Poker wouldn't fix that button exploit that was going on at the cash games. Uh, you know, version after version after version would come out without fixing that. And I again, it's because like you said, they it wasn't something that made them more money. But I, I mean, the, the responsible thing for Poker Stars to do is when they're made aware of this exploit. I don't blame them for this occurring in the first place because a lot of times you design things with good intentions. And then you don't think of ways to exploit it. And then someone figures one out, and then you, you go fix it. That's something that will always happen in online poker. But you have to jump on fixing these things. You can't let people exploit these things. And if 
someone can increase their chance to be moved off bad tables, that is cheating. And uh, yep. the, you, it's not as bad as whole card cheating or, or direct collusion where you're uh, running people off hands or whatever, but or multi-accounting, but it's still a form of cheating where you are exploiting the software to give yourself an edge to be moved off of a bad table where others who don't know about it can't do that. And that's not about skill. That's exploiting a, a problem in the software. And PokerStar should immediately jump on that when they were told about this six months ago, not only after there's a big outrage about it. And that's this is the type of stuff that makes me a little bit nervous about PokerStars in that, as you see, they are not looking to do the responsible thing. They're looking to do uh, whatever they can to make money. And that's it. And sometimes uh, responsible handling of their gaming, if it doesn't fall under the making money heading, it doesn't become a priority, and that's bad. So this is a this is a, a big black mark on PokerStars. Well, if you want a feel-good piece about PokerStars, this will be the last we talk about them in this uh, long PokerStars show. Uh, here's a uh, propaganda video. From Poker Stars, give me a chance to rest my voice. But uh, a propaganda video from Poker Stars regarding how they do their random m- number generation. And I'll stop it every so often to comment. But the star of this video is none other than Lee Jones. And Lee Jones, in case you don't know his history. He was a low-limit hold'em player, a low-limit limit hold'em player in Northern California. That's what he was. And he quit playing poker because secondhand smoke was bothering him. And back then, in the 90s, uh, in the earlier 90s, in the 80s, uh, he quit because uh, secondhand smoke was a problem because they allowed smoking in poker rooms, which they haven't in California now for a long time. So he quit poker. Then he realized that there was not a good introductory text to learning Limit Hold'em, which was a much more popular game at the time than No Limit Hold'em, which really didn't have much of a presence other than in some tournaments. This is before the poker boom, of course. So in the 90s, Lee Jones wrote a book called Winning at Low Limit Hold'em, which is the first poker book I ever read. This is how I learned. Wow, how to... that's me too. Yeah, that's how I learned. That's how the first to play. poker book I ever read. Yeah, so I learned how to play Limit Hold'em, and uh, it's it's not meant to be an advanced book or something that's going to teach you how to beat high or middle stakes games. It, it's it's basically an introduction to the game and some basic concepts to prevent you from being a fish, making you understand why hands like King Three Offsuit are bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, calling it a dominated hand that no matter yeah, what you yeah. flop, no matter what you flop, unless it's two pair, you're in trouble. Uh, and and also describing the concept of position of why you need uh, stronger hands in earlier position. Th- things that seem obvious to you now as a experienced poker player, but as a, a noob to the game, it, it was pretty well presented. Yeah, I, I I wore the spine out on that book. I had to throw it out. <laughs> so. So that was the first book I and I read this and I'm like, oh no, I got to go play. So that, I immediately went and went to go play at the Hustler Casino after reading that book, and that was how I got my start in Limit Hold'em. Uh, now, thanks to authoring that book, Lee Jones, who also posted on uh, Rec Gambling Poker, which is the 
Poker News Group at the time that was kind of there before 2 Plus 2. Uh, See, so he was a person interacting in the poker community. He was someone with respect in the poker community, even though he wasn't a big name or a particularly successful player. And uh, because of the mainly the notoriety from that book, he got his foot in the door with Poker Stars and became the poker room manager there and uh, has hung around for a long time. He quit for a while, I think because he was scared of possible uh, U.S. government action against him, but he quit for a while. It, for, it was not exactly clear what happened, but he quit for a while. Then he became, uh, then he got in charge of Cake Poker. That became his new job. He was the manager of the Cake Poker Room. <laughs> Talk about a downgrade. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's kind of the same thing as uh, Joe Reitman uh, breaking up with Shannon Elizabeth and moving on to Annie Duke. That's pretty much what Joe, Lee Jones did with Cake Poker, moving from Poker Stars. But uh, Cake Poker became a major fail site, and Lee Jones worked his way back into Poker Stars, and there he is again. So he's in this video here. I, I don't know if Lee Jones lives in the Isle of Man now, where Poker Stars is based, or if he's just there in this video. But this video, just like the other two that I've played on this show, was made in the Isle of Man and has the same host. Hello, I'm in the Isle of Man at the head office of PokerStars, the world's largest poker site. And in this series of videos, we're answering some of the frequently asked questions about how PokerStars operates. Now, this is a very common query. How does PokerStars shuffle the cards? Well, to answer this question, we're going to have to go to the data center. The data center. They're driving in the Isle of Man to the data center. They're going through like a gated complex here. Good to see you. How are you? So Lee Jones walks out of a house, which almost looks like a residential house. It doesn't even look like uh, what you expect for uh, something related to poker stars. They, they've shown the regular headquarters there, which looks like a big office building. But uh, this is like almost looks like a residential house. Lee Jones, head of poker communications for Poker Stars. And Lee, I understand that the secret to the shuffle is inside that building. In fact, James, the shuffle itself is inside that building. All of the servers, everything that happens at PokerStars is going on right there behind us. So the key question is, how are the cards shuffled? We have a shuffle that begins, like every shuffle, with a random number generator. Using any software technique to generate random numbers is fundamentally flawed. So you have to use hardware. We have two completely individual sources of random numbers. The first one shoots beams of light through a semi-opaque mirror. If the light bounces off the mirror, it's a one. If it goes through, it's a zero. Beams of light. Beams of light bouncing off a semi-opaque mirror. It's really cool. Then we take another completely separate source of random bits, which is user input. It's mouse movement. It's time delay between action, things like that. We combine them together using a cryptographic method, 
and that produces this constant stream of ones and zeros that are completely and totally random. We just reach into that stream and pull out a number. I need to clarify this on my own mind. When we're generating these numbers, are we then assigning these numbers to the individual playing cards? It- I don't understand this beams of light thing. Are they really shooting out beams of light for every <laughs> hand? How many lights are being shot? I mean, it should light up the Isle of Man like it's, it's constantly yeah. Christmas there. I, I don't understand uh, that part. Uh, I never even knew that. I always thought they were doing something which, to me, seems sufficient. And they're going to talk about this in a second, where they're they're analyzing players' mouse movements and time in between actions, which are going to be completely random, especially averaging them all together. And then they use that to generate a random number, uh, which should be fine. I don't understand this light thing. In the virtual deck. No, that's not really what happens. We reach into the stream, we pull out a random number that is between 1 and 52. And let's say we pull out the number 36. We go into the existing deck of cards. We take card number 36. We put it down on the table. Again, reach into the stream, pull out a random number between 1 and 51, pull out another card. Let's say the number we get is 45. Great, we pull out card 45, drop it onto the new deck. Okay, that makes sense. Is that shuffle carried out before any cards are actually dealt, just like in a live game? Just like in a live game. We shuffle the deck, and we we deal the cards from it. Has anyone... You know, that actually makes me feel better when poker rooms do it this way. Not for any security reason, but uh, just so I don't second-guess myself. I, I, You know, Full Tilt did it the other way. Full Tilt. Yeah, I remember that. Full Tilt People actually... Say, Damn, if I would have taken 10 seconds more, right. maybe I wouldn't have been rivered. Forget yeah. 10 seconds. Like, like, like a split second more, you wouldn't have been rivered. Yeah. And, like, I, I've, I've actually had it before on a site where I don't know how it does it or not, or on Full Tilt where I knew they did this, like, did it during the hand. Uh, where I would move my mouse over to click bet, and I'd like miss clicking bet, and then I had to do it again, and then I would bet, and the guy would call, and the next card would come and bad beat me, and I go crap. If I clicked it right the first time, I would have won this hand. Like I got hit by a two outer because I didn't click bet properly. I'd be so mad at myself, and then I'd reason with myself, okay, look, you know, I'm sure other times it's happened where I've done something different. Uh, and it actually helped me not get bad beat or helped me bad beat someone. And I, I don't think of it then. I just think, oh, w- great, I won the hand. Like, you notice with, like, whenever you win a hand, even like in a bad beat, uh, you don't have the same degree of emotion as you do when you get bad beat. You go, oh, that's nice. Oh, wow, I, uh, I got lucky there. Okay, that's great. Wow, I won a big hand. Cool. And you move on. Like, you don't even remember it that well. If, if, you get, if you're the one who gets bad beat, it, it's so frustrating and so irritating especially if the pot's really big. So uh, I actually like it better where you know that everything has been determined as far as the order of the cards before the hand and that if you've been screwed, it's pretty much been that way from the start of the hand. Yeah, I agree. Even though it actually makes no difference, it just feels better. Yeah. Psychologically, it feels better. Yeah. One externally actually looked at the system and declared that it is 100% random? Absolutely. It's very important that there be third-party verification. It has been certified by a company called Sigital that is a very well-known company in the United States. But also the various regulatory jurisdictions often send in their own auditors to verify that the distribution of the cards that have come out is consistent. And they basically tell us, all right, you get out of the room, show us your data, we'll look at the cards that have come out and verify that everything is 100% random. Sure. 
we do know for a fact that the cards are being distributed exactly as they should be, as yeah. you would expect over millions and millions of hands. Remember, we've dealt over 100 billion hands of poker, so it's very easy to collect statistically strong data sets that are going to show you exactly the distribution of cards you expect. Now, okay, before we go on here, this has been a long-discussed issue, and that is... Is there any kind of rigging going on at PokerStars and other sites to force certain players to win or lose? There's been the cash-out curse people have discussed where you lose right after you cash out. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or the winning curse where they, they sock you with a lot of bad luck after you have a good session uh, or a good series of sessions. Or things like that. Uh, and what Lee Jones is insisting here, and he'll insist later in the video that people are just engaging in selective memory, but... He's saying, look, we've dealt, we've dealt 100 billion hands, so we've had third parties analyze the hands that have been dealt, and after 100 billion hands, you can see very clearly if we have a fair shuffle or not. Well, i got to say here that's false. That's false because since you have such a very large sample size, if the great majority of hands dealt are completely random as they should be, and you only massage a few key hands that you want to change. Oh, I see. Then it'll never show up in an analysis. Right. It'll never show up. It'll be within the, the, the sample error space, you know, it'd be, so there's, it'll come out completely. Okay. You're only going to have to modify a tiny, tiny percentage of hands. If you want certain players to lose at certain times or, or certain big winners to win less, uh, or, or certain people who cash out to lose, certain people who are depositing to lose. And yes, I said that right. First of all, I'm not going to accuse poker stars of anything. I, if I had to guess, and nobody ever knows for sure, but if I had to guess, because the regulator is a joke, the regulator is pretty much them. So if I had to guess, I would say they are not rigging hands. They are not forcing people to lose. They, they aren't uh, doing any of that and never were. But... But I have to say some things here. It would be to a poker site's advantage, especially in the earlier days. Now now it's such a huge operation, I think any hit to their reputation would not be worth pulling this. But especially in the earlier days, it would be worth it to rig the deck somewhat against both big winners, so they don't cash out as much, and people who have shown the willingness to deposit so you can get them to deposit more. Now, you don't want them to never win, but fish or semi-fish that are well-bankrolled or even people who are mediocre but well-bankrolled, someone who has shown that as soon as they lose, they'll put a bunch more money on the site, it is to your advantage as a site operator to make them lose. Or people who once won a lot of money that will redeposit a lot if you can get them to put back on what they've lost, is, is it's wise to make those people lose. Right, because they'll chase it. Yeah. yeah, they'll chase it. They'll say, hey, I, I won so much last year, I, I, I'm just running bad. I'm going to put it back right. on and win again. So, so uh, there is a definite reason, a definite financial motivation that would exist to rig certain hands, certain large pots, certain large tournaments, etc., for certain players or against certain players. And you could do this by just changing a few hands and no one would ever know the difference. And it would be impossible to prove this 
upon analysis. It would be impossible to prove the difference between rigging and random bad luck. That's legitimate. So, again, I'm not accusing poker stars of this, but saying we've had third parties analyze all our hands and show that we're within the right numbers, all that proves is your random number generator is good, which I believe it is. But that doesn't prove that they haven't rigged anything. But it does prove or disprove, you know, a general conspiracy like the cash out curse. Well, no, because I mean, because if you say, well, if every time I cash out and then you analyze the cards and they're different, I mean, but I don't think that's that's built into the system unless you're only doing that to such a small number. But if you're doing that to everyone, it would be evident. Yeah, yeah. No, I also think that uh, people at the low limits. I, I if I if I were to be doing this, if I were to be cheating through the generation of cards on my poker site, I wouldn't go after the low-limit players because, one, there's not much money in it, and two, the low-limit players, even the ones that win, uh, tend to move up and get beat anyway. So the ones who take the money off the site, for the most part, are the high-limit players. The high and the medium-high-limit players are the ones who you have to target. Right, and that is, a, the the high the super-high-limit players are a very small percentage of yeah. So, business, right? so that's why, like, I, I hear these people who play, uh, you know, twenty-five cent, fifty cent, go, man, that site is so rigged. And I, go, I don't believe that. Like, why, <laughs> why, why would they rig the twenty-five cent, fifty cent game? Like, what is it? What good is it doing them? I think, uh, yeah, it's frustrating when you see a, a completely improbable beat come and get you, but uh, you know, it happens. So, yeah. And, well, and, I, I, yeah, I, you're right. In theory, they could do this, and I don't. And it would be very difficult to find, but uh, I, you know, as you say, I I don't think they're doing that. Yeah, like, and, and I, I believe in the integrity of those beams of light. <laughs> yeah. Actually, do you remember? Did you ever read the old Ultimate Bet like fact section on their website? I may have, but I don't remember. And they explained their random number generator, and it was something equally bizarre. It was this thing of, like, they have a cave in the Caribbean, and water <laughs> drops down from it randomly, and then they analyze those water drops, and that makes the randomness of the cards. It was bizarre. You know, I think the, the proper generation that would have made uh, made sense for Ultimate Bet would be uh, uh, we take uh, we take the number of whole cards that uh, Russ Hamilton <laughs> saw in a given day, and we use that, and we we, we mod it by fifty two, and whatever that is, we choose that card. I think that'd be a great number generator. So I think it'd be pretty random too. So and pretty reliable. I think you have enough uh, cards you would see where you could do it for every hand That's played true. on the site. <laughs> okay, let me go on here with the remaining uh, minute and a half of this video. All that aside, though, Lee, can you explain why so many people feel that the shuffle isn't random? They feel that patterns are emerging, that their aces never win, their opponent always gets there on the river, always hits his flush draw. And the under pair always hits their set, exactly. right? Yes, that's what we call selective memory. I know that when, you know, when I get kings, I expect I'm going to win. But when I get all the money in versus pocket nines, and then a nine comes on the flop, I'm going to be telling you about it as a bad beat story for a week. If we took all the times when we had kings versus nines all in pre-flop, the kings are going to win exactly the, what is it, 81%, I think, that they are supposed to win. It all comes down to science. You know, uh, by the way, just this, this may seem like a conversation I know it's a, a set-up conversation, but you may think at least that the interviewer showed up, asked his question to Lee Jones, and Lee Jones just answered them honestly. But 
in the segment I played here, they had a very quick jump, a quick edit, to where it wasn't flowing smoothly, where they're actually cutting parts and uh, recutting and putting it together. And so this whole thing is uh, completely scripted, by the way, just in case you're wondering. There's no voodoo here. There's no magic. A good random number generator, a good shuffle, is at the core of any good online poker game. That is our sole business. It is what we do, and it is absolutely crucial that we get it right, and we do get it right. Lee Jones, thank you very much indeed. Hopefully you feel that's given a very clear answer to all of your questions. Thank you very much for watching. Well, if you have a question for me to put to the people at PokerStars, please send it over. Do you want to know how PokerStars online festivals are scheduled? Maybe you want to know who designs the chips at live events or how VIP club live nights are put together. Email me at inside at pokerstars.com and I'll do my best to get you an answer. Do you want to know how we form our excuses when bad things happen at the live events and we want the whole thing to go away? Inside at pokerstars.com. Yeah, I, I want to know how they pick which security guards to be in on their laptop schemes. But Do you know how we have discussions with the EPT security guards to break into your hotel room when you're gone? Inside at pokerstars.com. Mm. Well, uh, the, the way we do it is... Uh, we we find the the security guards. We actually do some research to their background, and the ones that seem to be having the most money problem and the highest uh, incidence of criminal activity in their past, we feel they are good people to work with us at these events. And and then what we do is we actually have a front desk employee that tips us off through this proprietary email system that when you check in, uh, they tip us off when they see that your room door has opened, and oh. you leave. And then, uh, and then the security guards then inform another security guard to come up to your room and tamper with your laptop, all while another security guard keeps guard that you are not coming back up to your room unexpectedly to where this way they can get out of your room quickly if you're on your way back up, and you will never find anyone in that room. Oh, that's great. Where do the beams of light come in on that? Well, the, beam of the, the <laughs> beams of light come in... Uh, we actually went and bought a, uh, on the cheap a whole lot of those little things at the bottom of garage doors that can see if someone is stepping in the way when the garage door is closing, that infrared light. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we bought a whole lot of those when a company manufactured too many, and, and we have 100 billion of them sitting in a room in the Isle of Man, and they're constantly shooting out light, and then we hire people to walk in front of them. And uh, and we, if it's uh, if the garage door would have closed on the person and hit them in the neck, then it's a one. And if the garage door would have stopped and reversed course, it would be a zero. So that's how we pick our random number generators here at the at poker stores. Oh well, thanks so much, Lee, for this completely random interview. Here's a yeah. bag of money. See you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm gonna. I, uh, I'm glad I'm back here instead of cake poker. By the way. <laughs> but don't you want to collect those gold cards, Todd? Be yeah. honest. I did collect them, and I even sold a few of them. In fact, uh, do you remember when you could sell the gold cards? No, I don't remember that. So this is funny. I was collecting them, and, uh, of course, the lower gold cards, like the twos and the threes, were worth nothing. Or, mm-hmm. But you were hoping for, like, the ace or the king. It would be, like, totally random, but, of course, you get way more of the lower ones. And uh, it was never quite clear what you could do with them, except if you got, like, the entire set, you get, like, 50 grand. Yeah, which, like, nobody ever did. Yeah, so uh, at some point when Cake was in trouble, they were actually letting you sell them, like, through an auction process. 
but everyone was like undercutting everybody else by like a cent. It wasn't like an auction. It was like a list where uh, just whoever had the lowest price you could get. So like there's no way you'd ever pay anything but the lowest price for like if you want a seven of hearts, then you just pick the cheapest seven of hearts. You never buy the second cheapest seven of hearts. Like why would you do that? So it created like a, a terrible market for them because they just kept going down as everyone's undercutting each other by a penny over and over and over again. And, That's uh, so bizarre. But so I, they're they're letting the players sell their own promotional items to other players yeah, on this. That's just so. And weird. And I did it, and I sold some, and I made a little money, like a hundred bucks, by selling a bunch of them. I should have sold them all. Like I should have seen that the ship was totally sinking. But <laughs> I I sold like some, but I I should have taken it further. But it was funny the the gold card sales. I I, I just kind of had an emotional attachment to some of that. I remembered like. Going, oh my god! I just got a queen of spades. I'm like, can I? Yeah, really... I, I honestly, when they popped up, you're like, oh, holy shit! There's a gold card. Yeah, like, I'm like, wow, a queen of spades! I can't believe I got that. And like, I'm like, shit! I remember getting that queen of spades. How am I going to sell this now for like nineteen dollars? Like, it seems so wrong. <laughs> and then, but I did anyway. Like, I, I, I sold some of them, but I, I didn't go. I think I, like, I totally dumped the low ones, but the high ones I was kind of afraid to. Mm. But. Well, I think there was a time, too, you could trade them in for, like, a hoodie or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That was a bizarre website. You know, it, what was really weird on Cake was uh, – that was the place I got closest to having my money just outright stolen from me. I don't mean, like, through a cheating scandal. I mean, like, through uh, them stealing my money, closing my account unfairly. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah, it was that a, uh, a guy who had won some kind of promotion on there uh, who apparently hated Jews – uh, he won like a okay. seventy. He won a seventy-six thousand dollar promotion on there, but he was a huge fish. So he sat at fifty-one hundred limit, and he was awful. And between the fact that he was awful, and that I had a position on him, and that I ran well, within the next three days, I won sixty-two thousand of it from him. And uh, yeah. um, I won uh, you know, obviously most of his money, and the rest of it went to everybody else. Well. These were shorthanded games, and there was a guy, another regular on the site, who was also there. And when this when this uh, fish kept losing to me, he was sure that me and this other guy were colluding against him. He didn't realize he was just losing because he sucked. And, and he was running bad, too, to be honest. So he was saying that me and this other guy are both Jews, and this is a Jewish conspiracy to steal his money. So we thought it was funny and kept saying things like Hebrew power and, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, long live Zion and things like that just to really piss him off. And uh, I was just doing it to tilt the guy further. Well, it turned out to be a mistake to be saying this because he reported to security there that two Jews there were, were colluding against him to steal his money. And the sad thing is the idiot in security there named Tony actually believed him and closed our accounts and told us that we were caught cheating and uh, we're not going to get our money back. And I got really mad and said to Tony, hey, show me one hand that we played in a non-standard fashion. I said, I'll agree that I was isolating this guy because he was a fish, but that's that's a legitimate strategy in the game. That that's what everybody does when they see a weak player. Uh, so, but show me any hands with this other guy or anyone else at the table or any hand I've ever played that are indicative of me colluding, and I'll be glad to post all these hands on two plus two, and 
on the, the limit hold'em forum and allow people to analyze them. And if they agree on there that I was cheating, then I'll back off. Because I knew the good limit players there would never believe I was cheating because I wasn't. I was just isolating a fish and uh, and beating him. So yeah, but prove you're not two Jewish guys. Yeah, so, so can't to, do it. Yeah, I, I didn't want to admit to him that I was Jewish. I was afraid if I admitted that, I was really in trouble. But uh, uh, fortunately, the other guy actually wasn't really Jewish. But anyway, <laughs> uh, surprisingly, after telling us no, you were cheating. I've proven it. Tough luck. I don't have to give you anything. Basically, Tony was saying. Somehow he turned around abruptly about a week later and said he's going to unfreeze our accounts and uh, he didn't apologize. He said, I've, I've, de- I've determined that uh, this is actually without merit, so I'm uh, mm. uh, reversing the decision and giving your money. I had $46,000 still on the site at that point when this happened, and I was sure it was gone, and I was starting to look into how, to, if possible, I could take any kind of legal action against them and uh, – uh, boy, was I relieved when I got this back. And the other guy got his account unlocked, too. But uh, other people had problems with Tony, different problems with him later. This guy was an idiot. But uh, um, it, it was amazing how Tony just took this stuff said in chat. And we never said we were cheating or anything. We would just make comments. And I was careful never to say anything like that. I would just say things like, you know, Hebrew power or whatever when I beat him in hands. But who cares? I could say Hebrew power. I mean, he's the one who started with the Jew stuff. It's not, it's not like me and the other guy said, hey, we're two Jews and we're taking your money. Like This guy was going <laughs> off about how we are both Jews and how uh, it's a Jewish conspiracy to steal his money. And that's that's we were just playing into it. So, mm. like, Was Tony working out of uh, Palestine? Or? <laughs> Maybe Tony's uh, grandfather was Adolf Hitler or something. I don't know. But uh, it, it was... Uh, that that was the wonder that was cake, and that was the only guy working at security. There was that idiot Tony. Christ. So, uh, <sighs> anyway, okay. No more about poker stars. No more. I've I've had enough discussing poker stars. And... I hope so. It's ten o'clock time. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> like okay. Two hour poker star show. All right. So um, here's some quicker topics that we're going to get through. Uh, a ridiculous poker tax was proposed. This was crazy, and I only heard about it after the election was already over. But uh, fortunately, it didn't matter. Uh, this this is nutty here. This was a poker tax that would would be in the state of Nevada, and not just for Nevada residents, but for anyone who played poker in Nevada. And that would be anyone in the U.S., I don't know what would happen to foreign players of this past, but anyone in the U.S. who is a pro poker player, and the way they would determine this is if you use your Schedule C to report poker income rather than uh, just reporting gambling winnings, which is different. Mm-hmm. If you use a Schedule C to report your poker winnings, you're considered a pro player. And if you have revenues, not overall winnings, but revenues of a million per year, which means... Uh, uh, for example, if you have cashed $1.1 million and bought in for $1.5 million during the year, this would apply to you even though you lost 400000 But But what they would do is that once your gross winnings was over a million dollars for the year, even if it was against your buy-ins was not winnings, uh, they would start to take... 2% for the state of Nevada. 
So this was only for tournaments, or this included no, this included cash, cash games, games too. So, so if huh. you cashed one point one million, no matter how much you bought in for, if you cashed one point one million in these tournaments, for example, you would have to pay twenty two thousand two percent to the state of Nevada. Doesn't matter if you you were an overall loser, uh, and. Uh, the cash, the cash games would be uh, calculated by cash session winning, so it wouldn't be based on what you bought in for or individual pots. But if you, uh, but but again, it would be winnings, not winnings minus losses. So you could again be an overall cash loser and still owe this tax if you ended up cashing, having all your winning sessions add up to more than a million dollars, which isn't that hard if you play every day. Right. So. Uh, this was on the ballot. This was on the ballot from yesterday. And there is some fear that perhaps the general public, most of whom are not professional poker players, would go for this, thinking that professional poker players need to pay their fair share, even though this is terrible for many reasons. Well, final results. Yes, 20%. No, 80%. That's the end of that. Good. I mean, scary. got even 20%, but... Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, if, um, seeing these propositions, especially in California, they have a lot of them. Anything that loses 80-20 is like one that's an awful idea. Like when you lose 80-20, you know you have a horrible proposition. You always get like 20% that are idiots and vote the other way. But anything that loses eighty twenty is really clearly just a, a complete beatdown. Uh, so it'll probably never come back. Yeah, you, you're, this you're won't almost, be on the next. No, no, ballot. never, never. Okay. And and uh, you you rarely see a proposition get less than twenty percent. Yes, uh, I've seen it the other way where a proposition wins like ninety one to nine or something. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot easier to get a lot of support for something that seems like a really good idea than than a lot of no's for something that's a bad idea. Like, this is about as badly as one would lose. So uh, everyone saw through it pretty much, or four out of five people saw through it and said, no way. So that's gone. So that's that. No more to worry about. But what an awful idea. I can't believe that even got on the ballot. <laughs> yeah. Who? So was there any story behind the genesis of that? Or I don't know. it. I just learned okay. about it today. But uh, um, let's talk about the Poker Hall of Fame talked about that on previous shows here uh the poker hall of fame has a lot of problems in the way people are elected uh, the basic rule is that uh you know, people can get nominated and then of the 10 nominees either zero one or two people a maximum of two people can be elected in a given year and the criteria uh, unfortunately has a loophole to where if you have done a lot for poker, you qualify, even if you were not a good player. So that means tournament directors can get in, uh, people who have promoted poker a lot can get in, which I think is crap. It's, uh, it should be a separate Hall of Fame, not, not one where you're competing against players. Uh, there's a lot of problems with the nomination process that I won't even get into. Uh, the voting process is even worse because... Uh, what happens is the people who are selected to be able to vote, what they do is they submit a ranking from 1 to 10 
of the ten nominees of uh, from first to tenth how much they think they are worthy of getting in, but they're also allowed to leave people off, meaning we don't think they're allowed they should be in at all. And then they give them points based upon their ranking. So if you get first, you get 10 points. Second, you get nine points. All the way down to 10th, you get one point. But if you're not on the list at all, you get zero points. So what they figured out is that if you want to push one particular guy to get in, let's say your friend is uh, up for nomination, you just submit a ballot with his name only. He gets 10 points and everyone else gets zero. And that means he gains 10 on everybody else. And that's uh, a lot more powerful than submitting a full ballot with all ten names, where at most you gain nine on one person, and, and most of the other people you only gain a few points. So by doing this, you can pretty much rig, if you get enough people together doing this, you can pretty much rig people getting in who you like. And that has been done, where people make these voting blocks where they agree they're going to submit only one or two names and leave the, the other eight off. So this is what allowed Tom McAvoy to get in last year. And uh, some very worthy candidates were denied. And this year, Daniel Negreanu made it in, which is right. But Jack McClelland was the other winner of the 10 names. Jack McClelland, that titan of poker, is the one who got the other spot. <laughs> so uh, that's absolutely ridiculous that uh, Jack McClelland of all people. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm not a hundred percent sure who that is. Yeah. Uh, so this. So is... as like someone who's not in the industry, uh, you know, I under, you know, is kind of a, and I'm not even a poker layman because I would say I know a bit more than the average person, but. To, to me, like, oh, Jack, somebody, he does tournaments. Like, it, it's so bizarre. And if you think of, like, you know, he's basically doing some logistical things. Yeah, he's a tournament in, in In the industry of poker. So that's like the guy who, you know, books the flights for the MLB is going to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like, he's kind of a <laughs> – just it's really bizarre. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be Mickey Mantle and uh, James Nesmith. He books the flights for the. Yeah, so here's the list of names, by the way, that uh, that he ended up uh, being beating. By the way, uh, Jack McClelland beat out Huck Seed, Mike Matisau, Bob Hooks, Jen Harmon, Ted Forrest, Bruno Fatusi, Humberto Brenes, and. Chris Burin. Now, not all these people are deserving of, of getting in. Uh, and then the previous year, by the way, uh, we had uh, Scotty Wynn and Tom McAvoy getting in. And, uh, you know, Scotty Wynn deserved it. But again, Tom McAvoy, uh, he beat out Car- Carlos Mortensen, Huck Seed, uh, Mike Mattisau, Jan Harmon, Thor Hansen, David Chu, who totally should have been in, uh, Humberto Brenes, and Chris Burin. So, I mean, this is the joke. That hmm. you have these second people making it in who made it through voting blocks, and uh, and so really this this is awful and seriously serious. He's been someone who's been a very uh, vocal critic against uh, th- this whole situation with the Poker Hall of Fame, and he said that he actually calculated that with this uh, trick with the voting that I just described. That he calculated that uh, 13 out of 41 people can 
pretty much lock in anyone they want by creating a voting voting block. Thirteen of the forty-one voters can lock in someone to win, no matter what the other twenty-eight people do. That's what uh, seriously serious calculated. So the, I, this is really really terrible, and. Uh, I mean, it's not a huge deal. It's just a stupid poker hall of fame, but it's just a joke. And I don't. Is this even a place, or this is just an idea? It's like an idea, yeah. Okay, so I can't go there on Sunday and tour the poker hall of fame. No, I don't think that anything exists like that. Okay, <laughs> unless something exists, I don't know about. But uh, anyway, it's a joke, and uh, it's getting more and more known into jokes. So I don't know why they don't realize that there's enough criticism of it that they're not fooling anyone anymore well someone who has fooled a lot in the poker is Jim Ryan Jim Ryan was a co-CEO of Ultimate Bet and uh, suspected of a lot of wrongdoing during the cheating days there someone who never had the allegations against him proven but uh, a lot of suspect things happened with him that I won't get into now Uh, Haley Hintz has written a lot on the subject, as has uh, Scott Bell, Eleven Grover. But uh, somehow Jim Ryan shook that off and uh, was involved with party poker, was was heading party poker for a while, but has since uh, had since left party poker so they could get into New Jersey because New Jersey was very sensitive about... Uh, allowing anyone with any kind of baggage from the old uh, illegal online poker market into their state. So, uh, from CalvinAir.com, in July 2013, they wrote, ex-BWIN party CEO Jim Ryan... uh, uh, Sorry, let me start again. BUN Party shed some legal baggage last December, referring to December 2012, when former co-CEO Jim Ryan agreed to walk the plank rather than complicate BUN Party's pursuit of various U.S. gaming licenses. While Ryan said at the time he was looking forward to spending more time with his family in Canada, he has since resurfaced as the head of Pala Interactive, an online gambling joint venture with California's Pala, brand of, Pala Band of Mission Indians. They run the Pala Casino in the northern San Diego County area. Uh, For the moment, the business is entirely speculative as the Golden State struggles to reach consensus between legislators and stakeholders in order to make online gambling a legal reality. This is uh, about a year and a half ago this was written. Well, so remember this, that Jim Ryan was the CEO of BWIN Party after being a CEO of UB, but then left in December 2012 in order to make it easier for BWIN Party to get into the New Jersey online gaming market. But he didn't leave on bad terms. He just left because it was necessary. So he left the door open. And in the meantime, he joined the Pala Indians for their upcoming venture which they hoped would exist for online poker well guess what has happened he's back he's back yep Uh, the division of gaming enforcement this is from an official document from the division of gaming enforcement in New Jersey 
has completed its review, which seeks authorization to conduct internet gambling-related business transactions between Marina District Development Company, LLC, also known as the Borgata Hotel, Casino, and Spa, holder of internet gaming permit, uh, blah, 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 and Paula Interactive, LLC, applicant for an internet casino service industry enterprise license. So that means that Jim Ryan is back. Yay! So Jim Ryan no longer is actually directly involved with New Jersey's gambling scene, but BWIN Party, which provides the software for Party Poker New Jersey, which is affiliated with the Borgata in Atlantic City, is now going to provide Party Poker to Paula. So if California legalizes online poker, which will probably happen in 2015 and then will probably take place in 2016, if in 2016 you are playing on Party Poker run by the Paula Casino, guess who is going to be in charge? Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan is going to be in charge of a legalized and probably a big legalized online poker room in California because you have to think party poker is going to be a pretty big player in California. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jim Ryan is going to be in charge after everything that happened in UB. So, well, I, I just hope he's vetted by the. I hope so too. In fact, in fact, uh, <laughs> No, but I, I actually will. Uh, you know, when it comes to uh, any kind of approval for him to do this, because you know, right now there is no market in California. There's no right. nothing to be approved. But w mm. when an approval process comes for Paula, yeah, someone will have to give him a license or not. So yeah, I mean, I I, I will do it, or, or hopefully someone else will. If I don't. Uh, but uh, contact whoever approves this in California about Jim Ryan's past and hopefully at least force him out again. I, I don't think Party will be forced out. And no. I don't care if Party's forced out. If Party wants to come, that's fine. But uh, I don't want Jim Ryan in charge of it. He does have to, I don't want anyone involved in old UB in charge of anything legal. And it's a shame that this is about to happen, that uh, this is going to be waiting for us here in California, that... Uh, Probably one of the biggest players, Party Poker, will be run by Jim Ryan of Paula. So it's not just him running some uh, little interactive uh, uh, gaming company in Paula that makes their own crappy Ultimate Poker-like software and is a non-factor. This is going to be running Party software, which, unless Poker Stars gets involved, will probably be the biggest one. Right. It'll be equivalent to WSOP in uh, Nevada. Yeah. The only problem is, as you say, nothing's been proved against him. So Yeah, I know. I don't know. That's going to be a tough one. But he was involved. He was a CEO when this is all going on. You can't just say, I didn't I didn't know. You can't just say, yeah. oh, it's not my problem. He should have known. If he didn't know, he should have. And he, he did know. True. But, you know, it's a question of will they care or not. And hopefully they will. Hopefully, uh, you know, some regulators care more about the past of those that uh, they give these licenses to than others. And hopefully Jim Ryan will be chased out. But Paula apparently had confidence in him when they hired him, though they might not have known. They may have just thought, okay, well, look, you know, he was the, uh, the B-Win party CEO. We'll be happy to take him here. That's probably what they saw. They probably knew nothing about UB. I wonder if he uh, leaves UB off his resume. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just an omission. I guess he might as well now that he's uh, got the B-Win party on it. It's much more, uh, much better yeah. to say you work for them than you be. Exactly. So, so yeah, this, it's been approved by uh, New Jersey for Borgata to have this partnership with Paula. And that's that. It was dated, uh, it was signed David Rebuck, the director of uh, Gaming Enforcement in New Jersey, signed on October 31st, 2014. Looking at the document right here. That's bad news. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Oh, uh, another California-related online poker story having to do with old executives of online poker sites. Not This one, not as scandalous. Uh, it's kind of a strange story. A former Bodog executive, his name is... Uh, Jonas Oudman has launched a California-based software company. Uh, it's called Brown Martin Gaming Technologies. And um, what they're basically doing is they are providing what looks very much looks like uh, the Bodog software, the current Bovada software, whatever, the two online gaming interests in California. They are talking about anonymous tables, which is what Bovada has. The, quote, recreational player model. It says a successful long-term poker model should target net depositing players over more experienced high-volume players. By utilizing a poker model that maximizes net deposits, your company will notice an increase in revenue over time. Combined with a targeted marketing strategy, operators will build loyalty by offering a fair and level poker model geared towards the recreational player. So, um this uh the, the whole thing describes what people know Bodog to basically be and this guy is a former executive at Bodog. Uh some people think maybe even got the software somehow. Well, that's that's what it seems like, right? Because Bodog has too much you know, baggage to be let into a legalized market. This almost feels like yeah, this isn't Bodog, but it is. Yeah, that's some people are thinking that's what this is that um that uh, this is uh some sort of uh uh test to see uh mm-hmm. to see what will happen or it, it's a strange situation uh especially because there's currently legal action going on against Calvin Ayer, the Bodog founder where uh uh the US is attempting to get him to settle with them and they've indicted him so you have to think that they're never going to let a company like this work with anyone in california until this matter with calvin air is settled even though uh odman doesn't technically work for bodog anymore but uh weird situation like they nobody understands what's going on with this unless it is some kind of uh test because no one's ever going to go for this because I can't see it getting past California regulators while there's a, a case against Calvin Air. So uh, may, maybe they're expecting at some point the case will be settled with Calvin Air, and then, and then they can go forward. But uh, yeah, that's I mean that's my best guess. I don't know. Or this is Calvin Air knows he personally can never come in, so he's created this offshoot. He's given this guy yeah. the software or whatever, and he's saying, "Oh, I'm not Bodog, but really he is." Yeah. 
because he's just because you know <laughs> no one's going to give Calvin Air a license in the U.S. anyway. Yeah. All right. So uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, let's say you are from out of the area and you come to Las Vegas. Which I am. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's say that you have a marijuana habit and want to get some pot. So Phil Ivey is uh, apparently getting into the marijuana business. This is surprising, but uh, it's really happening. Uh, the Las Vegas City Council has announced that uh, Phil Ivey is among 26 applicants who have passed the first round of approval process for opening a medical marijuana dispensary in Las Vegas. It's going to be called the Phil Ivey Medical Pot Dispensary. And... Uh, they got 50 applications, 26 got through the first round. And uh, only 11 of those 26 are going to go forward and actually going to get licenses to offer marijuana, medical marijuana, in the city of Las Vegas. Though there will be uh, eventually 66 dispensaries in the United, uh, sorry, in uh, the state of Nevada. So, uh, I had no idea that Phil Ivey was going to be doing, be doing something like this. I don't even know if Phil Ivey personally smokes pot, but someone convinced him that this was a good business idea. Well, it probably is. A good uh, business idea, I mean. Yeah, so... Yeah, you should do this, Todd, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forget the, Phil's, you know... Maybe it should be Phil the Todd would tell us... Yeah, the Todd would tell us... Uh, yeah, marijuana. Todd would tell us cannabis hut, and you accept rough coins. You know, this would be even uh, more surprising than Phil Ivey's. Like, like who would ever think you go to me for pot? Exactly. That's that's your angle. <laughs> pot with integrity from Todd. Wow. So that's uh, he actually passed the first round of approval. I don't know exactly what criteria they use. It's called a, a suitability vote. But he uh, he passed, and we'll see if he's one of the lucky 11 out of the remaining 26 to get the license. And uh, I have to think he'll be one of the more uh, popular destinations for poker players. Now, you, you probably have to get some uh, – I don't know if out of the area people can get it because it probably – you probably have to get some sort of uh, card through a doctor and live in the area. I don't think you can just visit from out of state, but uh, – Truthfully, once people from the area get these cards, then they can give it to their friends, and it'll make getting pot a lot easier for people in the area. Now, don't smoke it at the Rio. 
because they, they're pretty harsh about that if they catch you in the parking lot. They can, uh, well, what they'll do at Caesars Properties, if they catch you smoking pot there, they actually will ban you. And then you, you can appeal it, but be careful over there, especially the Rio. The Rio, they seem very sensitive about it. So I was surprised to read about that. Now, what I was even more surprised to read about was about what's going on at Ivy Poker. Ivy Poker has basically been a failure. Uh, it never quite figured out what it wanted to be, whether it was going to be a poker site or a training site, uh, but th- they had a number of pros associated with it, but it never really went anywhere. It sounded like something that would be a good concept. Like Phil Ivy, he wanted out of his full tilt contract, which I guess he got out of anyway from when he got sold, but uh, that was what he wanted to go do, is start Ivy Poker. And you think, oh, wow, Phil Ivy, Ivy Poker, it's got to be huge. Well, it didn't end up huge. In fact, it... Uh, it ended up shutting down. It uh, it went to sleep. It, it's taking a rest. Oh, it's with the gods. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's taking a rest with uh, Garden of the Gods and uh, and Japan Windows. Uh, they're all resting in the same bed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the, the choice of of all people to uh, head up. Ivy Poker's restructuring and reboot in 2015 is none other than Dan Fleischman. That's a strange choice. Uh, Dan Fleischman is best known as the CEO of uh, Victory Poker, Mm -hmm. which was a big failure. And I I didn't understand their business model. They, They had all these pros. They spent a lot of money on marketing. And they were a skin for cake poker of all things, and I, I'm like, how is yeah. this going to work? Like, how can, skins have so much trouble making money unless you're the flagship skin of the network, where you pretty much own the network. If you're just a skin on a network, it's a very uh, low budget, kind of high risk, very low margin operation. Uh, people who ran skins typically were. Not very well off and not very well rolled. And uh, I actually knew of people who ran skins who lived in little one-bedroom apartments or lived in their mom's basement. I'm not even kidding. Like, that's who would run skins because you're uh, – it's basically a turnkey operation where you get your own, quote, poker site, which is really just borrowing their software and their network. And you're trying to do your own marketing to bring players to them. So it's almost like you're an affiliate, except you get to call yourself a poker site. That's what a skin really is. And Victory Poker was a skin of cake. And I'm like, how can they afford all this marketing? How can they you – know, they're spending so much money. And I could never understand it. And they had all these big promotions. Well, uh, not surprisingly, uh, people started reporting that they were not getting a lot of what was promised to them in certain promotions. And, and Dan Fleischman was screwing them. We, we had him on a – radio show of a previous site I was on, and he, he gave a lot of evasive answers. Uh, yeah. And then we also had an issue that was that played out in all, of all places on Poker Fraud Alert, where Dan Fleischman showed up here and posted when there was uh, Eric Morris from Bluff, the, the uh, Bluff CEO at the time, uh, he got in a Twitter war with Dan Fleischman regarding payment for past ads. And uh, basically Eric Morris uh, 
who also posted on Poker Fraud Alert about the matter, and they went back and forth here in a thread uh, in May of 2013. You can Google it. Type in uh, Dan Fleischman, uh, PokerFraudAlert.com. You'll find it pretty quickly. But uh, basically, Dan Fleischman was accused that in uh, in, uh, May of 2010, uh, he owed uh, $6,000 for ads for Victory Poker that uh, he never paid. And that he kept dodging uh, Eric Morris in, in when he was asking for the money. So they got in a public argument first on Twitter, and then uh, and then on Poker Fraud Alert, back and forth. And and upon reading everything, I decided that I felt that uh, Eric Morris was was mostly in the right in this uh, argument that. Uh, um, Dan Fleischman's excuse was that he thought he was only buying a single month's worth of ads and that uh, Bluff just kept running the ads and charging him when he didn't want that. That was his excuse. I, I didn't believe that for a second. Uh, I, I did believe that he tried to cancel and somehow there was a miscommunication like about three months later, but I don't think he only wanted a single month. Uh, and uh, I, I do think Bluff... When Dan, when Dan didn't pay them and didn't, when they didn't think he canceled, they ran it for too long. Like at some point, you you have to stop running them. You can't just keep running them forever and, and rack up huge right. debts. So in that sense, I was a little on Dan's side, but for the most part, Dan, at the very least, from what I could see, ran a few months worth of ads and and, and didn't cancel until a few months in, and and then didn't pay and claimed, oh, I didn't want to run it all these months, and then was. Uh, Stalling with with paying and uh, and then the worst thing was that Dan Fleischman pretty much was Victory Poker, but he separated it as a corporation. And I hate when people do this when they start their own business and say, "Well, that's the corporation, and that's separate from me." And then the company fails, and then they stiff everyone, and and they they don't they don't take any responsibility for it. Which, I, I, it, I, it's a different story if you've got a large corporation and you can't go reach into the employees' pockets uh, if the corporation fails. Uh, but I don't like when people use these loopholes, these legal loopholes, to start a corporation to pretty much free roll everyone and say, all right, you know, if, if it fails, then I'll just claim it's the corporation that owes the money and not me, when it's really like a one-man operation. And that's basically what, what Dan Fleischman did, which is shady. So I don't, I don't buy the whole idea that uh, Dan Fleischman should not be responsible for Victory Poker's debts, which is what he's been saying. D- Dan's been saying, you know, hey, I tried a business, it failed. Sorry, but I, I can't be responsible. That was a corporation, not me. So, hmm. so anyway, uh, also apparently uh, David the Maven Shikotsky also claimed in that Twitter war last year that, that uh, Dan owes him money as well. So... As a strange guy for Ivy to choose to run Ivy Poker, that's not exactly who I would want running my brand. Uh, I, I think Dan Fleischman is somewhat of a dreamer. He's someone who's not—he's not like an outright scammer, but he's someone who likes to play fast and loose with other people's money and take a lot of risks on other people's dimes and not his. Or even like, or or even if he risks his own money, he risks your money too without you really knowing it. And he's someone who's like very big on promotion, but very little on app on actual delivery. So 
not the right choice for Ivy Poker, but uh, I mean, this guy has a long history in recent times here with various ventures of his, and most of it isn't good. So, uh, yeah, interesting choice. I mean, <laughs> they got to do something over there because I don't even know what they do over there. Yeah. So that's a problem. I thought it was going to be a training site. Then it was going to be a Facebook game. Then yeah. it's, uh, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I didn't, I never really understood it either. So, uh, let me do a few other quick topics here. I actually have to end the show pretty soon. It's gone later than I thought it would, but, uh, uh, Garden City Group, the ones distributing the full tilt remissions, uh, 2,200 petitions have been stalled and will be denied soon, and supposedly people have been contacted, if you're one of those people, but if you haven't received contact, contact them, contact Garden City Group, and find out what's going on. If you have not received your full tilt money and you have applied for it, don't just sit on your hands and wait, because it is not going to come. They're basically saying that uh, if you don't have it yet, that you're not going to get it uh, unless your application is is okay, but it probably isn't at this point if you don't have it yet. So you really need to contact them. If you, have, if you think you're due full tilt money and you haven't gotten it yet, call this number during business hours. 866-250- 2640-866-250-2640 and find out where your claim stands because if you're one that is missing information like a social security number or a correct address or whatever if they're missing information they are about to deny you for good and they're going to keep your money not Garden City Group but the government so $40 million is still left to distribute to the players from the fund so there's plenty of money to give out. You just need to claim it. So if you're one of the people who has not received your full tilt money yet, call 866-250-2640 and check on the status of your petition because it may be held up. And if you didn't get email notification about it, which I've had that problem with them too, where they didn't email me when they should have. And I just sat wondering what's going on. I have my money now, but I had to do a lot to get it. So be proactive or you're not going to get it and it will be gone for good. Good advice. Yeah. So, so uh, oh, hold on. I got to take this call. Brandon. Is TMML okay? No, no. Better. Brandon. Oh. Brandon. Hello. Oh. Brandon. All right. He hung up on us. Uh-oh. Try to put him back. It's hard to imagine he would have called the poker fraud alert radio accidentally. Maybe he butt-dialed us. He was angry that I called him TMNLK. He hung up. Brandon. Can you hear us? Yeah. Hello. Hi. Hey, am I on the radio? You are. Hey, what's up, Joe? Brandon, hello, and uh, congratulations again for your uh, mammoth win on Monday. Thank you. How did you uh, end up with your Lakers uh, thing yesterday? I was a push and a win? A push and a win. Nothing like your money. You know, I was a small fraction of what you won, but I was happy to take it. Well, congratulations. So a win is still a win, right? Yeah, yeah. 
no, I was happy. You know, I've, uh, I, I, I can't risk money like that. Like, I just I, – I would freak out. I just – I don't have the gamble in me to do it. But I'm glad you did. You made a – not only was that a winner, it was a clear winner. That one just smoked the competition there. You just uh, easily won that one. Thank you. How's, uh, how's radio going tonight? Yeah, it's good. We got uh, Daredevil on here. He's, uh, he's been a frequent co-host uh, in recent times, a Canadian guy here. And uh, uh, he's – we've been talking uh, I'm, about I'm – not, I'm not filling your shoes, Drexel. What's up, Daredevil? Oh, yeah, 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 sir. So, okay, so what's what's going on, uh, Brandon? Not much. I'm just uh, leaving Red Rock, had some dinner there, and I am on the way home. Hmm. It's kind of a evening. Now, okay, I, I have a question for you regarding the free roll. Have you settled a, on a date yet? I, uh, if you look at the thread, I, I put the date tentatively as a week from this Sunday. I figured that would give everyone enough time to try to rearrange their schedule for those that don't have to work and just maybe need to adjust it. Also, I figured that would give us enough time just to set up the format and what exactly we're going to do. So if all goes as planned, 11 a.m. Pacific time, a week from this Sunday. You said 11 a.m. Pacific time? 11 a.m. Vegas time, a week from this Sunday. Okay. Yes. All right. And at work are probably off on Sundays. I mean, I know it, there's never going to be a time frame that works well for everybody, but, you know, I figure Sunday would be as, as good as it could possibly get. Would you okay. agree? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, I don't know if 11 a.m. That may be a little too early for a lot of people, but we'll, we'll see. You can, you can choose whatever you want. Uh, so the next question is, uh, how is the $1,000 going to be broken down? Uh, have you figured out, like, how, what is the prize pool going to be like? How many places will pay? I mean, I hate to, uh, you know, say this because I know it's been said on a previous site, but do you read your own site? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I I must have missed that. I've been reading that thread, and I must have missed that. In the thread, it was up to the WP. I mean, you know the WP, obviously, right? Ne- up to what? It's up to the WP. Jeff, the WP? The Workers' Party. Thank you very much, Daredevil. Yes. It's all up to the Workers' Party, Jeff. Okay. So basically, I'm waiting for consensus. I listed today in that thread everyone so far that uh, is invited to the invitational that are workers, party members. I know there's some that I've forgotten. People are texting. I set up a uh, 702 uh, Dre- uh, Drexel invitational hotline for those I might have missed that I can go <laughs> and approve. I also have a committee. Uh, it's all on the thread. But uh, more or less, I'm letting the people decide. There's been some suggestions. That some people want to take 500 of it, put it in the free roll, and then the other 500 heave it up in football. Some want the whole balance for the tournament. So it's basically going to come to a vote. Whatever everyone decides how they want it, it's going to be the majority that decides. All right. Well, very so good. I'm very good. Today. Huh? Very generous yep. of you to do this. That, uh, very great yep. here for the site and for the loyal members here. And, uh, uh, so, and the other question is, uh, how is the money going to be distributed? Are you going to be sending it to them, or will I be sending it to them? I haven't really thought of it. Uh, I can send it to you. I can. I mean, the only thing that I, I want to make sure, I guess, I was going to talk to Belly Buster and yourself is obviously before he was paid. I'm going to need you to validate who they are because if I'm correct, people's form screenings don't always correlate with with the. PSA uh, poker room name. Is that correct? Yeah. 
Okay, so, yeah, it, either or it's fine, but obviously before anyone gets paid, I wrote this in the thread as well, I'll need some sort of validation from you that the person who claims they were invited is that indeed that person. Okay, and, and the general criteria you're using is it, it basically has to be someone that you uh, know and like from the forums, even if you don't know them personally, yeah. just so, someone you've seen around and think uh, is, is a worthy member of the community. Is that basically the criteria? I mean, that and... and People I've known that are old school, obviously. People that I like, obviously. But there are a couple people, if you look at the list, that maybe weren't the biggest fans of me. Uh, at all times, people have even trolled me. I have, like, that uh, cute little, uh, what's his name, Baron Van Strucker. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. always been a pro Zob, but he's in because he's been around a long time. He contributes to the site. Uh, Bukowski, another example. And I had a couple battles with him years and years ago. But, uh, you know, he's in 100%. So, no, there's some people in there that... I haven't always, well, you know what, tied in it. That's another good example. Um, you know, someone that, you know, I haven't yeah. always been best friends with, but, you know, he's in as well. I mean, happy right. not me. Um, so that's, the, you know, that's really it. Um, it's not just people I like or my favorites or people I know that, you know, frankly, I haven't always got along with, but I decided it was worthwhile of being in the workers' party. Yeah, all right, very good. So, uh that makes sense. I mean, it's your site. I'm not trying to step on toes here. No, no, no. I, I, I said before, like I said in the thread, you can make whatever rules you want for this. It's your money. You make whatever rules you want as far as distributing it and the way the contest goes and all that. This is all your decision. Everything's your decision. Thank you. Appreciate the autonomy. Um, I also mentioned that you're eligible to play as well. Did yeah, you see that part? I, yeah, I saw that. I appreciate that, but I'm, I'm probably not going to bother. I, not, not, like I, not like I think it's a waste of time, but I, I actually let the – I just want other users to win and not me. Okay. Hmm. I mean, it's not limit hold'em. I mean, I wouldn't say you have that big of an edge on the field. <laughs> no, no I, you know, maybe I'll play – I might play for fun, but I like I just – I, for some reason, when these contests run, I don't feel good if I win and the users don't. Like, even if I give it back in free oh. rolls or something. I know I know you said I have to give, like, like two-thirds back, but it would be fine. But... 67.5% back in the general fund. Yeah, maybe, so. that's, maybe that's okay if I could play for 33% of myself. So I just don't want to, because I, I don't know. You know, we haven't really talked that much lately. I know that you were sick um, yesterday or last week or whatever it was. I know you've had some issues in the past when you busted. From the limit tournaments was like two years ago. You kind of got a little faint. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't want. I don't, I'm just saying for health reasons. I don't want you to take a bad beat. Kings versus aces all in, and then you start getting faint, and the whole site falls apart with his leader. So if you think you can handle the stress, I want you in there, buddy. Yeah, you should that's, be. You know, that's you a good point. You, you, are, you are thinking of my health here. I am. I'm 42 years old now. You get to watch out for that. So I appreciate the uh, the forethought you know, put into that. Man. You made a good point a couple months ago. Well, I know you get a lot of heat, and there's you know some trolling and some joking about you getting sick, but I think it's only because you always post when you're sick. There's normal people that really don't post. Well, you know, why would someone normally, you know, any other user that doesn't do radio post, hey, I have a cold this week. So it just seems as if you're more sick than probably the average person only because you can't post it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was, I was saying, look, I've got to, I have to always inform people when I can't make the radio, I mean, I guess I could lie and say I have other obligations, but, you know, I, I, I just right. tell the truth and I say I, I got sick, I can't do it. And especially if you get a sore throat, that's that's the worst for doing radio. Uh, right. Believe it or not, I'd, like, I'd be much more of a condition to do radio if I have other problems going on where, where talking isn't a problem. 
so so anyway, uh, Brandon, I, I unfortunately there wasn't the best timing for this year because I, I have some uh, external pressure here to end the show tonight at this point. Oh, yeah, uh, that's why it's. So Todd's trying to end the show early. Yeah, it's you know he doesn't read his own site. I mean, this is all breaking bad. <laughs> now, you know, real fast before I do go, Todd, would you, would you have any problem before any monies are distributed? I want to make sure this goes to uh, you know the workers party. Would you be able to validate everybody before they're paid for me? Would you mind doing that? I'm sorry, I, I didn't. Would I be able to validate who? No, what I'm asking you is, I want to make sure all the monies. Go to rightful members of the workers' party. Yes, yes. Would you have a problem making sure you validate anybody that has money due to them from this invitation before I pay them? No, no, no. That's fine. In fact, as I said, you can you can send it to me, and I can distribute it too if you want. Then that make it even. Uh... Yeah, that may be easier. Yeah, that may be easier. I can just distribute it, and uh, and of course I'll validate. Either way, I'll, either way, I will validate that the proper people get it, and that nobody pulls shenanigans here. Now, the only other stipulation or request that I have, and I know it's not going to be a popular one, but I, I wrote this in the thread, I would like to see Jay Serialist included. Okay. And, and, you know, you can be, it's, I know it's your site, you can ban him afterwards, I don't know if you need special access. No, he doesn't. It's a plan to fruit ball. No, he can still access, okay, okay. he can still access the room, he just can't post. Let me make it clear why, real fast, I know you want to end the show. The only reason this is my thinking, I know that uh, he's not popular on the forums and, you know, this and that. But uh, since last year, um, he sweated a number of my bets for me. A lot of them have been high. They, you know, we're not talking $200, $500 bets. They're pretty big bets. He sweated them with me. Guys, never ask me for a penny. There's some people that you see that you win big and they want something for it. Never ask me for nothing. Not one, nothing. And he's always rooting for me, sending me texts or PMs, congratulating me. Never wants a dime. So just based on that alone, you know what? You know, I want the guy to play. I, I, you know, right. I think he should play. All right, very good. That's really the only. That's my logic. I know it's not going to be popular with everybody, but there's so many people that are just leeches, and, and you know he's not one of them. You know, he's just he. At least not with me. Yeah. He's been always straight with me, and you know, I just like this one kid, uh, Crypt. I think his name is. Uh, I had a fourth chance uh, contest with the indie game for the total amount of yards, and the kid was hammering my inbox. Because he got closest to it. But you get my point. There are a lot of people that kind of just, you know, send you messages, they hound you, they see you're winning, you're doing good, they want handouts. This year has never been like that to me. No, anybody else in the workers' party. So, if it's okay with you, then, you know, that's that's my logic. Okay, I just no, that's that. good. No, that's fine. You, you can you can designate whoever you want here and uh, include Jay Searles. So, Jay Searles is in, and uh, that's your what decision. What I do? What I do, what I'll do real fast again. I know you want to wrap this up. Is I tentatively set a cutoff for the voting for this Monday night after the football game. Okay. So in terms in terms of the workers' party deciding how they want to do this. So and again, I'm gonna look through the thread. Everyone that's in the workers' party has one vote, and then I'll look and see what the majority votes to do with it. And then that's what we'll do. I'll send you the money plus the other uh, uh, free play thing that you know from the other thing there, and then I'll let you distribute it if if you want to have that obligation that's fine with me okay very good all right thanks, okay. a lot. thanks a lot brandon i appreciate this whole thing it's very good for the site and very generous oh. of you yeah Listen, I, I got, like, like i wrote in the thread i know i'm not around a lot but i still feel a lot from a lot of people and the support and it just it makes me feel good to do something nice for everyone i mean that's that's really there's no other motive than that i just want to give back and you know i'm in a 
position financially to do so, and I think it'll bring excitement to the site. You know, I think it'll be a fun way to spend the day, and you know, all the build-up leading up to it, and that's that's it. Yeah. I just, you know, no ulterior motive. I'm just happy to be able to be in a position to do it for everybody. Yeah, maybe I'll even play too. Maybe I will uh, show up and play. So, uh, all right, uh, thanks a lot, Brandon, and uh, uh, we will talk to you later, and uh, we'll have more information uh, next week on this whole situation. But tentatively scheduled right now for uh, Sunday of next week, not this upcoming Sunday, but a week from Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And a shout out before I go to all the outstanding members of the Workers Party. Thank okay. you. Shout out to the Workers Party. All right, so that's uh, Brandon Drexel Gerson, former co-host of this show. Uh, I got to end the show here uh, very quickly. You're right that uh, I'm really starting to uh, become what I once opposed, but. Uh, with ending the show early and not reading my own site, but uh, <laughs> no uh, worries. Paul Fua, who was arrested for the uh, illegal bookmaking operation he had during the World Cup, running out of Caesars, uh, it has come out that this is what happened: that uh, he was requesting a lot of computer equipment from Caesars. They, they were so stupid. Why not just bring their own equipment or go buy it at Best Buy or something? I don't. I don't know why they uh, were requesting Caesars to you know, loan them equipment, but that's what they, they did. They requested a lot of equipment from Caesars, and, and someone who worked in the IT department at Caesars said, hmm, this is so weird. Why would they need so much stuff here? I think these guys are running an illegal sports book out of our own casino. So Caesars got very concerned. They don't want competition from people staying at their own hotel. So they got in touch with the FBI. And what was decided was that uh, they don't have enough evidence yet for a warrant. And the way they're going to get this evidence is that they're going to cut off the Internet to the places in Caesars that Paul Fua and his associates were staying, knowing that Paul Fua, who needs the Internet for his illegal bookmaking operation, will then call Caesars and say, hey, our Internet does not work. Then Caesars will say, oh, sorry about that. We'll send some technicians in there. And the technicians would come in, except they weren't real technicians. They were FBI agents. So the FBI agents pretending to be Internet technicians came in and gathered evidence that was enough then to get the warrants. But wouldn't they have to know then that eventually they're going to have to present this? Yeah, and that that would invalidate the warrant. So I, I don't understand this. I don't understand it either. But I think the way they were looking to get away with it was just like we have this information that it was going on. Uh, a judge approved it that we have it, uh, and, and then when we searched it, we found we were right. So there it is. And uh, I, I think that's what they were hoping that they wouldn't be questioned how they got the warrant, how they got this information. Sometimes you get it from confidential informants or whatever, and I think they were hoping they'd go by that route, but. Uh, uh, it's come out that this is what happened, and now Fua's lawyers are saying, hey, th- this is uh, an illegal search. They-, they performed an illegal search based upon false pretenses uh, in order to gain information that was used to get the warrant. So even if what they gained from the illegal search was enough to get a legitimate warrant, they shouldn't have had that information in the first place. And the argument that's being made is, look, this gives the government too much power. Otherwise, when the government wants to illegally search your house – uh, they can cut off your power, for example, and then you say, oh, crap, my power's out, and then when you call up to get your power fixed, an FBI agent comes in and pretends to be fixing your power and really spies on what's in your house. 
And yeah. Well, I agree. It's ridiculous overstep. I mean, you should need a warrant to go into somebody's house, period, not go in and then find a reason to get a warrant. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have to say, if this is really what happened, I, I have to side with Paul Fua here, even though it looks like he was actually guilty. Uh, it, it, this does look like a shady way to do it, to, to fake an outage of some sort, and then the repairmen who come in are really undercover FBI agents that you're letting in under false pretenses. And, and yeah, they're, they're right what they're saying here. With so many essential utilities these days, including the Internet, uh, that, that's a way to just let the government in for unauthorized warrantless, warrantless searches without you even realizing it, thinking that the repairman you call uh, is a real repairman and not someone searching your house on behalf of law enforcement. So uh, this could actually be a killer for the case, and, the, and that uh, uh, might jeopardize the whole thing. We'll see what happens. Uh, finally, I want to quickly touch on this. Uh, there was an election yesterday. I'm not going to make this a whole long editorial, but I have to uh, end the show here. But uh, the election, as predicted, went very much for the Republicans, uh, to where the Republicans now have the Senate majority, not a veto-proof majority. They don't have enough Republican senators to override a veto from uh, President Obama. So that is going to make it to that, at the very least, they have to compromise with, uh, with Obama on a lot of things, but at least they have uh, they have the power of the majority in both the, the House and the Senate, which before they only had the House. And uh, it's going to give the Republicans a lot more power. Now, some people are afraid that what's going to happen is that uh, Republicans who have traditionally been more anti-online poker than Democrats, though there are people on both sides of the aisle who are both pro and anti-online poker, so you, you can't just say... Democrats are for online poker and Republicans are against. It's just not true. And in fact, the uh, Black Friday bus all happened under Obama's watch and with an Obama appointee uh, heading the Department of Justice. So, uh, But here's the reason that I believe that this is either going to be neutral or good for the online poker legalization fight. Uh, the biggest victors here uh, regarding people who are pro-online poker were New Jersey, New, New Jersey government, Governor Chris Christie, who's a Republican, Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval, Sandoval, sorry, and Senator Rand Paul, that's uh, Ron Paul's son from Kentucky. Uh, these three are very pro-online poker, and they're all Republicans. So, uh, also, a lot of the Republicans who were elected yesterday are more moderate or more of the Republican type that is anti-big government. There, there are various brands of Republicans, just like there's various brands of Democrats with the, what's important to them. And the Republicans that, uh, many of the ones who were elected yesterday are, are, are more about limiting what the federal government can do rather than having the federal, federal government use its power to enact social regulations like no online poker. So uh, it, it's believed that that type of Republican has been more prominently elected recently. And therefore, it will be a good thing for online poker rather than a bad thing. Remember, like Newt Gingrich, you wouldn't think of Newt Gingrich 
who's not an elected official anymore, but you wouldn't think of him as someone who'd be a friend of online poker, but he was someone who many, many years ago, near the beginning of online poker, was saying it should be legalized. So you can't just say, hey, he's conservative, he's going to be anti-online poker, because it's not true. There are many Republicans who are for it, and uh, uh, the point is that there are three prominent politicians in Sandoval, Christie, and uh, Rand Paul, who are still in office and and are going to be pushing for this. Uh, It's true that Sheldon Adelson is a Republican and gives a lot of money to Republican candidates, and you'd think that uh, ones that he donates to are not going to want to go against his very anti-online poker stance. But uh, uh, there's other Republicans, like the ones I mentioned, who aren't going to care what Sheldon Adelson says, and I think for that reason it's going to be more of a net win for pro online poker forces than a loss. And overall, this is still a small issue for the country in general. Most people in the U.S. don't care that much either way about online poker. They are not for it. They're not against it. Uh, That's true of President Obama. That's true of former President George W. Bush. Neither of them cared very much about it. Uh, there was some talk, oh, Obama was a poker player himself. He's going to be pro-online poker. That's not true. He, he enjoyed recreational poker, but he didn't give a crap about online poker. Neither, neither did George W. Bush. None of them really care. It's, it's a tiny issue to them, and it's an issue that just doesn't matter either way to them. Uh, to show you in general how little mainstream Republicans care about gambling in general, uh, there is a proposition on the California ballot to approve a new Fresno Indian casino. And the California Republican Party would not take a position on it. They took a position on every proposition except that one. They just ignored it. So I know that's not online gambling, but uh, for the most part, Republicans and Democrats just don't care about it very much. And uh, it becomes more of a battle of the few that do care. So... Uh, Don't panic. Don't say, oh, the Republicans won. We're in trouble. No online poker for us. That's not the way it's going to be. If anything, it's going to help. It's very possible that this isn't going to matter, especially since uh, uh, it's not like Sandoval or Christie or Rand Paul look like they were going to lose. So, but uh, nothing's going to change. There's not a sweeping new social issues majority in the Senate that's going to say online poker is evil. We've got to ban it nor is everybody in the pocket of uh, Sheldon Adelson. So I wouldn't worry too much. I think everything that's been happening with the states legalizing online poker is going to continue. We're not going to see a federal bill for a while, but we'll see some states, most notably California, maybe in 2015 legalize it, and then where it goes from there probably will have to do with how it does in California and whether it uh, is a success. And if it is, then we'll probably see other states do it, and eventually some kind of federal bill or some kind of combination of states cooperating uh, to where it's kind of a pseudo-federal room. So uh, that's about it uh, for everything that uh, we have for this show. And I uh, thank you, Daredevil, for uh, participating. You're welcome. And uh, I always enjoy having you here. And I'm glad, you know, especially glad you're here tonight so I could... Uh, Rest my voice a little bit uh, at certain periods. I know I did a lot of talking anyway, but <laughs> uh, 
you know, it's 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 even those little breaks, they're uh, they're helpful. Throw feels okay. I'll be back next week in six days on Tuesday at around 6.30. And uh, that will be the next show. So Sounds good. 15-day hiatus since the last show. It's been a long time. It, it felt weird starting up the radio. I'm like, wow, it's been a long time since I did this. It really felt like a long time. Been a while since you had a co-host, too. That's true. That's true. It was a few weeks I did it myself. And, uh, you know, I, I when I speak to Ben's mom about how the show went, she's oh, how the show go. A lot of times I, I judge the show's success or failure based upon whether I had a co-host or not. I go, ah, well, it was all right, but I only I had to do it by myself, and it's always tough. And does she still listen to the shows? Uh, she listens to the show uh, infrequently now. Oh, she, okay. she, you know, kind of wore off the novelty yeah. wore off. She, was, uh, she listened to it a lot when it first started, right? And then it yeah. kind of just died down. But uh, it's it's also more of a, a poker issue show now. It's a little different than it was when it first started uh, in 2012. So I, I can understand someone who's not really part of the poker community not finding this as as interesting. So. Uh, Thank you to Brandon Drexel-Gerson for calling in and for holding this amazing $1,000 free roll that he's giving directly out of his pocket. Very, very generous of him. Uh, thank you to SimpDog for the various contests he's been running. And uh, thank you to all the people donating to the free roll. And, and thank you, Daredevil, once again, for co-hosting this show so often recently. You're welcome to come back in the future. Uh, there's a, a few other co-hosts who you know, want to do a one-off type of show with me and I'll work them in but uh, otherwise you're welcome to come back whenever you like sounds good and uh, we're shutting down here 11 o'clock at night here about an hour later than I planned to be four hour show tonight we had a lot to cover we'll be back next week good night and shalom shalom